Reviews, our show that's about everything literary, books, comic books, manga, webcomics, and everything else you might be reading. As always, I am your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my Star Wars psychic, who's always at my side host way. Oh shit, I didn't think that'd be that loud, but that is the sweet sound of an all-nighter tonight, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that is the Yerba Mate. Wow, that snapped way too loud. <laughs> that was great. Uh... So we're here to talk about this last week in comics, and it's a lot of comics. It's not as big as last week, thankfully, but it's a lot of comics. So we are going to go straight into it. Uh, before we do, I did want to bring up one little bit of news uh, that I saw right before we started. Apparently, and this is a reference from comicbook.com, there is a rumor that we might have the first casting for the Fantastic Four reboot. Shut up, really? Oh my god. And it's Sue Storm. Ooh. And it's a rumor, but Jennifer Lawrence. Wait, what? Uh, 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 I, mean, I, actually, I actually like it. Me and Liz discussed it briefly, and I said, I like it. And Liz, Liz was, she's like, she already ruined Mystique. I'm like, but did she ruin Mystique? <laughs> or did the writing ruin Mystique? I'm like, I can't think of an instance of Jennifer Lawrence acting that I didn't like. Or no, that I thought was her fault. You're right. When it comes down like on paper, she, it wasn't her fault that it, that she and Charles had this whole weird buddy buddy relationship. That wasn't her fault. You're right. That was the writing's part. And um, it wasn't her fault. She became the main character of the series. When yeah, she yeah. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, well, I mean, I guess. Okay. I, I, my my other reaction was that's fine. I need to know who Reed is to make sure it makes sense. Yeah, right, for sure. And Johnny, you know, like, I need the, I need to know the interactions, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So um, we'll I mean, another better comic book news, at least for me. Um, apparently, uh, was it the Department of Truth is, is going to, got picked up, its rights got picked up. So that's exciting for a TV and movie, right? Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, because it's been a fucking trip reading that shit. Like, again, I've been having, like, the weirdest of feels reading this comic book, to which I haven't felt in a <laughs> while. Like, like this, like, to just... These weird, chilling, like chills. It's just like it's weird. Just like these weird emotions with that book. So to see it on t- on TV or even on film, like on the big screen, once we can, that's mm. gonna be some shit. You're gonna feel weird coming out of that movie. Yeah, that's definitely awesome. So <laughs> lots of little good stuff here, um, and we are gonna go in and go straight into our reads. As always, we start with our indies. And I don't have a ton this week, uh, but I do have a couple that you did not get. Um, I'm actually just going to start with um, The Expanse, number three of four. Because uh, not not a ton to say about it, because once again, it is three of four. I've already talked about it twice, and I'll be talking about it again. But once again, it is completely revolving around the characters of Bobby and Avasarala. And they're two of my favorite characters, so I'm really enjoying it. Um you get to see the interaction between them, and for those who aren't fans of the show, there's a lot of tension between Mars and Earth in the show, and Avasarala's from Earth and Bobby's from Mars, so it's kind of, they're kind of like, you know, they're like tokens for the relations between the different uh, um, planets and the different societies. So, yeah, I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. I'm going to make Liz read it once it's done, because she's a big Expanse fan, too. Um but I didn't want to touch too much in it. Uh, published by Boom. Written by Karina Bechko. Illustrated by Alejandro Aragon. Colored by Francesco Segala. And lettered by Ed Dukeshire. And of course, created by James S.A. Corey, the authors of the books. So, 
Didn't want to spend too much time on that because I want to spend a little bit of time on this other book, Josue. As you know, I've said before, sometimes I have a book of the week that I recommend you pick up. Yes. And this book is called Aria, Heavenly Creatures. And I was going to pick it up today had uh, Seiji and I not realized that today was like the big-ass Pokemon day, the Kanto day. Yeah. And so we started doing more of that instead. So I I am going to pick this up just based on the pictures you showed me. Yeah. So So now sell me on it. (laughs) Published by Image. Written by Brian Holgeen. Illustrated by Jay Anacleto. Uh, with Brian Haberlin. Colored by Drew Posada, Raymond Lee, and Brian Haberlin, and lettered by Francis Takinaga. Um, now, this is a Shadowline image book, which is the division that's ran by Jim Valentino. Okay. Um, the concept of this is it's Victorian England. Well, first of all, let me ask you this, uh, and this is kind of related. Were you a fan of Carnival Row? Carnival Row. You know, I, I, I was, but I never got around to finishing it. Okay. Were you a fan of Penny Dreadful? Oh, fuck yeah. This is a nice middle ground between those two. Oh, cool. Um, It's set in Victorian England. And the idea is there are mythological creatures out there. And, but they're like melded into society and people don't know. Uh, The main character is like a fairy princess or fairy queen of some sort. And... The one thing I will say is the art is a hyper-realistic art. It's almost like museum art. Like, I sent you some stuff. You saw what it looks like. It even reminds me of like those, like, those really, really pretty, but almost like those like 90s takes of, of like comics. Yeah. Almost like yeah. even like got retro image books, if you will. Uh, but yeah, really, really good stuff from like even those four pages. Yeah. And um, basically, yeah, they're hiding in society. And no one knows who they are and stuff. And so, like I said, our main character is a fairy princess, which is a lot of fun. Um, she has an ally that is uh, a werewolf. And it, you saw the drawing of the werewolf. It looks so great. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. So basically, <coughs> long story short, she kind of goes to like a Penny Dreadful style freak show. Where it's just like, you know, all these like, uh, you know, people with weird powers or who look strange. One of them is basically an angel. And she realizes this is an actual angel. And the design of the angel is very Angela from Spawn. I was going to say that Marvel. too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's really, really great. And basically she realizes this angel is being kept against her will by this this dude. And so she, she breaks in to uh, rescue her. And the werewolf dude helps. That's how they kind of come together. Um Long story short, the angel's trying to recover, and they t- have to take her to hollow ground, hollowed ground, and stuff. And then the the shot, uh, the full body shot I sent you of her is her coming back into her power. So, yeah, she just look, it just looked re- the art is really really great, and it's going to definitely touch on the the fey aspect of magic. Um, I, I would imagine Teeny Howard would probably love this book if she read it. Is what I'll say. Um, <laughs> nice. I, I really, really like this. I like where it's going. It's going to be this cool alliance of, like, you know, these different creatures. Um, I don't know if the angel's going to stick around, because angels, you know, they should be in heaven, you know, usually doing things, so... But we'll see. And, uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend this book. It caught me off guard how much I really enjoyed it. Uh, it is rated M for Mature, because there is some nudity in it. Um, and... Yeah, just really, really good. If Once again, if you like Penny Dreadful, if you like Carnival Row, anything like that, even if you like stuff kind of like like True Blood, maybe? There's a bit of that in there. 
You know, it's just it's just a really really great book, and I did get the C cover. I want to say, uh, which is the one done by uh, JG Jones. Uh, but every oh, cover nice. is really really great. So, yep, yeah, uh, highly recommend it. Aria by Image. That is my only two independent uh, books that I don't share with you. Uh, what what about yourself? Uh, so let's start with um, you know what? Let's, let's keep it with Image. Uh, with Image, I got Stillwater number six by Chip Zarsky, Ramon K. Perez, and Mike Spicer about that little town where nobody can really die. Yeah. And uh, where what, we last. What, lo- what, what issue was it again? Oh, number six. Okay. Uh, I guess this concludes the first volume. And holy shit. So where we last left off, we had like the big town meeting. Um, hey, this is, this is we the people are kind of want to put into a vote that we should probably be able to get out of this town and not be in prison here. Mm-hmm. And the judge says, oh, I guess majority vote, I lose. I don't like it. And then just pretty much just sends the his squad up against the, against the people. Uh, so at, at the last, in the last second, the kind of dude who was running the welcome, the welcome, welcome party? Yeah. <laughs> um, he pretty much um, just sacrifices himself. Uh, just as... At least, like, just at least to see if like he could actually like, harm the judge because like he was like the piece of shit. And now, where we actually left off on the cliffhanger was that the sheriff, the dude under the judge, he wasn't present at this. He was out meeting his uh, crew, and it seemed like it was his old buddies from from when he was in the Marines. And now we get that little backstory, and holy shit, um, fuck, yeah, we get some backstory uh, on two different times in 1999 and 2017 and i guess like way back when uh his name is ted the sheriff he gets news that a buddy of his passed away uh from from his platoon and so he wants he goes he goes to go visit he wasn't there for like the for the service um or he just watched from a distance just because he's really trying to keep a distance but he had to go meet up with them at some point and everybody's kind of like oh shit you're here we didn't think you we weren't really expecting you 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 haven't called us in like fucking forever holy shit you look like you haven't aged in a fucking day and he's like oh it's just healthy living uh so he just kind of kicks it in he's like oh so what are you doing i was like oh i got a job what what he really went for also i guess it's like two birds one stone is that what they've also been doing in this town is that they pretty much just like read your mail for like before you even get it if you're if you're uh, one of the town folk and just in case you won't uh, say anything and and also to see if any family members want to come down to town, which is a no no. And one of the people's relatives like is kind of like not buying that their brother doesn't want to see them. And uh, their letter is just like, you know what, fuck this. If you don't if you don't come over here, I'm literally gonna go down there. So Ted literally just leaves so he can go murder this guy so he doesn't come over. And in and and in all this conversation when he was there with his buddies. Uh, I guess his yeah his sergeant picked up on cer- certain cues and it becomes a whole like Barry scenario if you've seen the, the HBO show and if you I were, have not okay well, it's you were just, uh, well, you know you know the pre- the premise yeah yeah he very much like catches him like you know I've, I've seen this before like a uh, a vet turned like hit a like, hired gun um, I'm here to stop you and but because this guy really has an age and. He pretty much is his like at the level of his sergeant because he's never really slowed down because of age. He kicks his ass and even threatens him. He's like, yo, I know everything about you. You have no idea where I've been or what I've been doing or what's happening to me. So I can come after you and everybody like that you love. So 
back the fuck off and don't come after me. And it stays like that till for like until 2017 um, when everything is like normal and he gets a call or and there's like a there's a call that there's like a random car that isn't from there. It's kind of like taking the road into the town. So they do the thing where they kind of like, hey, you're the big you're the big blonde guy. So uh, sheriff guy. So go intimidate them into leaving. And it turns out it was a fucking sergeant dude. And turns out when you have nothing to lose, say like when your wife dies of cancer and your and your daughter died out in the war, you can come back after this guy. And it pretty much kind of uses him. And now coming back into the now now, he brings them all in. And now it might be a whole fucking kill squad into this town that's literally burning. And goddamn it, this book has turned into something really, really cool. So that's still water. Uh, yeah, up next by Mad Cave, we got some couple of comics from them. Pantomime by was it Christabella? Yeah, Christopher Stabella. Artist is uh, David Stoll, and uh, colorist is uh, uh, yeah, Dear Blood uh, Kelly, and lettering by Justin Birch. And this is issue number four. So the first three issues set up like when uh, how these dev kids like do are kind of kleptomaniacs and do these like really good heist jobs and then but they also got caught so they do really really good heist jobs for the dude who go, goes by the manager and they kind of turn on him and he's been in jail and by the end of it we had that time skip and I'm still not going to elaborate on it because this one doesn't really make more sense on it or it doesn't really explain more but at the same time it it really stops me from saying what I wanted to say. Or at least like from my theory from before, because it really kind of blurs that one away. So anyway, now we're still on this time skip now, uh, where at least we move forward, where where these kids were kind of like in middle school ish, have now graduated and are talking about going into certain colleges. Um, <laughs> to catch up on them, so they did take a break from that last heist to put the manager away. Only now. I mean, like, they're, they're still really good at, at what they do. So they kind of kept doing more jobs. Um, and that was kind of kept, kept getting better. And it seems like they they had their own plans. Fucking one of the girls used her money to kind of better her family. Yeah, Lexa used her money to better, to kind of get her family out of jail and kind of just fix, fix her stuff. Uh, Harry was completely like, you know what? I'm out of this business. But whenever we do come back to it, like, we... I guess I, I guess I'll help you and pretend like we're not doing it. Um, Kestrel did go like go out and see the world. Uh, they were already trying to like just, uh, trying to find themselves, so going out to the world is the only way they can they can help them. And goddamn, they came back super fucking cute as fuck. <laughs> and what's really cool is that Kess and Kestrel uh, um, end up getting together at one point. And in the meantime, because Kess couldn't really leave, um, her and what's his face Max they use their money to kind of like buy a big ass fucking fancy house kind of through this like third party. So I wouldn't be very suspicious that these two random kids just bought a mansion. And so every summer they all get together and they kind of do more, like more heists and they were all going to stop at 17. So if they got caught as adults, they wouldn't be tried that much harder. Um, and so, yeah, everybody's kind of grown up now. Everybody's kind of like grown into like their, like their own person, like their own people. And it's really cool. Except for fucking Max, who's now he's kind of like this like preppy little asshole and is being all secretive and shit. Um, and then, and he's like the one coming up with like the plans now. And he's not really like the leader, but any, but they come down to this one last heist, um, or at least like in the, for the summer. 
and it all kind of goes like too well. It doesn't really end in a big cliffhanger like the the, the whole mission fucks up. But at the end, their past kind of comes up to cat to catch up with them. And I think it's the manager. But anyway, uh, it's just weird that Max is just being like, "Oh, I'm just on the phone, being all important over here." But I'm not gonna tell you guys about it. And it's like, why do you gotta be so fucking suspicious? Especially with what we know from the last issue. Uh, but yeah, that was pantomime issue number four. It's really good by Mad Cave, yeah, Mad Cave Studios. Nice. And now, ooh, man, the special, special one of the week. Terminal Punks, number four, by Matthew Ehrman. Uh, artist by Shelby Criswell. Letters by Micah Myers. Oh, God. It was supposed to end here. And then we got the beautiful word that we get one more, which is great. We get another play- another, another mini playlist and just another special issue. Or no, it's like a, a longer trade of a story. Terminal Punks, that webcomic-y comic that got me into comics about four little asshole punks who are just so fucking adorable. Like, it, like this book is so funny, and it can get pretty real sometimes. It, I mean, and also gory, just because it just gets crazy by, like, the monsters. But God damn it, the more I read this this book, this issue is uh, fo- centered around uh, Burton v. Burton. Uh, like, like, all the issues have been centered around each of the band members, and now we get inside Burton v. Burton's head. And yeah. They're just like the the musical prodigy. They they took schooling, uh, musical schooling from like age nine, and then branched out through other instruments. And they were so fucking happy about it. Uh, that's it, there's a really good line where it's just like where all the kids went out and played, uh, um, went outside and played sports. I say like they made me stay inside and play music, and maybe set, and maybe help with um uh, all the intent all the. And just made me feel better about life or something like that. And then the next, the next stop up was like, whoa, that was pretty intense. I'm not really like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this these group of kids are just like, they're all pretty much like kind of like in their own first band, at least like two of them for sure on their first band. But if this band does or doesn't work out, that's all fine. It's just, and I, and I don't say like in a, in a getting it together type of vibe. It's just like, these are just kids and they're all just like starting to fall in love with each other. And that's just not, it doesn't really work out in band situations, but God damn it. The, the shipping or like the, the characters are just going to end up together. At least like, I hope they do sway and Burton B Burton are just going to be so fucking adorable forever. Uh, Key and Darby are just going to, at least, at least Darby will straighten up because of Key Key will end up coming to her senses later on, but anyway. But in the meantime, they're just so fucking cute, discovering themselves and just like just together and surviving. At least like at this point, this book is about survival. But goddamn, it does not take away from how adorable this book is, and it's one of my favorites. So, Torn of Punks number four. Uh, it has a sweet ass cover of uh, the Bad Brains cover, to which they actually use the song in the end. Like at the end of the playlist is um, "I and I Survive." So, goddamn nice. it, yeah, it's, it's it's so fucking good. It has a uh, this place has Joan of Arc, TV on the radio, The Blood Brothers, Modest Mouse, uh, Ott, Hooray for the Rip Rap, She Her Hers, and then ends on Brad Brains, and and so this is uh, Darby's playlist uh, of survival, which is uh, for all the punk kids. It's what it's called. <laughs> and then the last uh, the last issue, the cover, we get a little preview of it is uh, Tragic Kingdom uh, by No Doubt. It's with Pemberley as... It, it's just really cute. Like, I really fucking recommend this book to everybody. Nice. Um, and yeah, the last thing before before we move on, I did have one last indie book. Uh, we did have our power outage uh, based on like the crazy storm. 
uh, up here in PDX. So I finally got out of the shelf and I'm really going to uh, start seriously reading for the next three weeks or the next two weeks now, uh, Lock and Key. I finally got my hardcover and so I read the first two volumes. So I basically reread them. I was going to read them over, but then I started buying those fancy hardcovers and I was going to yeah. wait. Uh, but yeah, volumes one and two are incredible. Like they're just, they're just really good. Like how it all works together. I can almost see how like the bigger, you can see like almost like there's like a big puzzle piece instead of just like, you're slowly discovering how big it goes. You can just see a giant empty slab and you can just, and you, but the slow, the pieces are slowly there. You can just see how it all kind of works together. But yeah. I can't wait to get to more so I can actually finally watch the show. Nice. Oh, you never saw the show? Well, I started to, but then I started realizing that, like, holy shit, it's jumping, like, into volumes one and two, so I don't know if it's even, like, mm-hmm. like touching it. And that's even, like, just barely on episode two, it's already against, like, head games. So it's kind of like, you know what, let me just read it to kind of, like, maybe understand it that way and then see how they kind of, like, rework it for the show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it definitely goes out of order, so. Right. But still, but still yeah. I didn't I didn't hate it for being like oh it's not being like like, like a purist it's not being like the source material it, it seemed like it was yeah. actually working for it so I kind of want to understand it for both sides. Yeah, exactly. If you hadn't read it all, then you want to like know it before you go into it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I got you. So nice. Uh, anything else? Uh, no, that's it for the actual indies. Perfect. All right. Well, that leads us to the indies that we actually share. Yes. We have a couple. Uh, the first one is Once in Future number 16. Oh, man. Um, published by Boom, written by Karen Gillan, drawn by Dan Mora, colored by Tamara Von Villain, and lettered by Ed Dukeshire. Um, so, it's my monthly celebration of Arthurian legend, if any of you listen to the show. Uh, this happens every month when this book comes out. Uh, I love this shit so fucking much, and I just, I hope it doesn't end, but yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, I love Lancelot. Uh, the portrayal of Lancelot being like very French was <laughs> just funny to me. Mm-hmm. And um, everything, like, it just, I loved his characterization. Um, the thing I liked the most about this one, besides the, the dragon, which was great. Um, I really liked how uh, how we got the governmental side of this. Right. And we got some explanation for that because um, I have a very specific niche of interest, which is British government and how people portray them in sci-fi or fantasy universes. Um, specifically something like Torchwood as a spinoff of Doctor Who or Captain Britain and MI13 and, you know, all that stuff. So uh, I really like that. So seeing this, I'm like, oh, okay, this makes sense. This is cool. Uh, so that's that's the main thing I took away from this and how much I really enjoyed that and how there's there's other sides to this conflict out there. You know what I mean? So, yeah, um, I, I really enjoyed it. I don't want to get too much into it because it's kind of a spoiler heavy. We're kind of coming to a, a conclusion. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing I don't want to get too much into because I want people to be able to like, you know, go back and enjoy it without me telling them everything that happened. Um, but yeah, the one thing I will say is that uh, Duncan's mother is in pretty deep at this point. Dude, like, right. Yeah, no, I mean, like, yeah, I, I was gonna say, like, this issue was intense. Like, there's so many, I want to say, like, three not big things, like, they're like, not like big reveals, but at the same time, like, they're pretty big things that, that make you go, holy shit. 
like three things happened in this issue that could have been like their own like climactic ending in in separate issues that we've loved about the series but that's what made that's what made this issue so intense it's just like it, there's so much in this one yeah definitely so um but once again the art's incredible i mean what, what more can we say about the art it's just really really good um and i'm really really enjoying this book it's one of my favorites Oh like, yeah, for the, sure. It's one of the books I look forward to every every time. Like I, every time there's a new one, I'm like, ooh, I can't wait. So, <laughs> it's about time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Again, I don't. I, I'm. Re- I have more to say, but I don't want to really dig into the spoilers too much with this one. I think I the think next one we, we won't be able to hold ourselves back. Yes, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, really enjoyed. It. Anything else you want to say about it? Yeah, no, that was it. It was, just, it was actually just like an intense issue where it was just like these were are dealing with this. Mary was dealing with fucking that, uh, and then just like to get that last page and be like, "Holy shit, we're all in the same." And then we end up we all end up in the same room together. It's like, "Fuck, okay, let's do it." Yeah, exactly. Well, that we will say that uh, in this issue, everybody comes together. So that's why <laughs> we're kind of like something big is going to happen. And we definitely, our reaction is going to be next week, I'm sure. Yeah, so. next month, but yeah. Or, or, or next month, or yeah, fuck it, I'll take it next week. Issue 17 next week. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, good shit. So, uh, moving on from Once in Future to our Vault books. Yes. I want to start with the picture of everything else. Oh, man. Okay, cool. So, uh, for those who don't know, this is kind of a... Um, portrait of Dorian Gray story, uh-huh. and the art the art is done in such an incredible way. Oh my god! Right, <laughs> where it feels it feels of the era. Like I really enjoy that. And um, basically, the guy that drew Dorian Gray, what if he drew other things? That's a really great question that no one really asked. I'm pretty sure. So um, we follow a couple uh, couple characters uh, who are artists and. One thing I loved about this, and I'm actually going to relate this to kind of an un, uh, unexpected book. Um, I, I, I really felt like I was reading Homesick Pilots while reading this. Ooh, nice. Which sounds weird because in the middle of this cool otherworldly story, there's this massive discourse about the nature of art. Nice. And about the nature of critique. And so even though we're dealing with, you know, this guy can draw you and then kill you kind of thing, they're also like, what is art? And what is the role of the critic? And I thought that was similar to Homesick Pilots, where right in the middle of this ghost story, we're just like, also, let's talk about punk for a bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I was like, that's really cool. I dig that. So um, That's so funny, because I, I feel like that's like the last piece I was missing to kind of put all together, because you're right. I feel like he is exploring... Uh, different art media through comics because it's the same writers, Dan Waters doing Homesick Pilots and this. Yep. Yeah, dude. So um, it, it's just funny that I, I was just like, huh. And then I was like, this dude likes to, you know, get his point across. You know, he has a point to make with each comic and tell a cool story, but he's going to take a moment and be like, listen. <laughs> like, so, and as something of critics ourselves, I appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm really enjoying this. Uh, the art is, I mean, I keep coming back to the art for this book because it's unlike anything you'll see in comics, basically. Right. And I, I really hope it is, or if it's not, it'll probably blow me away in a different way. But like, yeah, like there's some, there's some, a lot of panels are drawn where like, it's almost drawn in like in, uh, in a watercolor fashion or like in its own, like 
um, oil painting way because it is about like paint like in paintings and shit. And like, I, but I love the, the the talk about criticism, but I'm wondering if that all comes together. I wonder if we're just like we're right now we're reading uh, his giant painting. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because it all know. it all looks like like art. So I wonder if we're just like already in it and we're already fucked to begin with. Yeah. And we do get a really cool reveal at the end yes. that once again we're not gonna dig too much into. Uh, but I it it, it definitely takes a, a turn towards the action. If you're reading this and you're worried that oh this is a bit like dialogue heavy, is it gonna go anywhere? I mean, action's not even the word to use. Actually, I don't right. know the word I would want to use, but it takes a a step towards like a progression of plot. After yeah. being a very dialogue heavy issue, which I enjoyed, but it was so. Uh, uh, what did you think of him being like over overly critiquey to uh, Picasso? Oh, I loved it! Like, <laughs> of course, I loved it. Like, it was great. So, uh, my only criticism is I wish they made him look more, or I don't know, like more distinctive. You know yeah, I'm I mean? not sure. Like, like, cause the, the only thing I have with this, and this is because I don't have an eye for these. I don't have an eye for design. Um, too many characters look like each other. And so oh, I totally I agree. To, it, it's not like I get confused, but I do have to take an extra moment to be like, Oh yeah, that's that guy, you know? And yeah. so that, that's the only thing I would say that. And again, I wouldn't even say that's a criticism of the book. That's more of a criticism of myself not being able to like distinguish easily. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it doesn't help that I'm colorblind, yeah. so you know, like it was just so. I, I just really love this the, that scene, like and specifically because like Picasso is like a lot of people's favorite favorite painter. Uh, he's not my favorite painter. He's just he he just he's done my favorite painting of like that era. He did uh, two acrobats with the dog. It's just mm. it's so beautifully depressing and just like yeah that blue. So the way they elaborate on his blue is just like it really got to me. It's like fuck, they just had to pick on my buttons or just Dan Waters has to pick on my buttons. The dude just fucking gets me. <laughs> uh, more of a Van Gogh guy. Yeah, so, nice. Yeah. So um, and no, that's not because of Doctor Who. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so which is the best episode of Doctor Who? Fight me. Um, Ooh, so what You've watched Doctor Who, of course. Oh, yeah. And I was going to say Midnight's the best episode. Why? Because we Ooh. get very little Donna. Wait, okay. So we're going to take a pause. <laughs> who, who, who's the best doctor? Um, I mean, Tenet. Best doctor for you. Obviously, the older ones, we won't have as much interest in. I wish know? we would have gotten one more, but Eccleston. Uh, he was super underrated. Again, the writing wasn't his fault. We never get brain and brawn, and the dude was just such a badass. Yeah. Uh, tenant, tenant for me. Yeah, I mean, tenant for sure. Yeah. Um, he's just, he's just great. I love him and everything. So it's hard. But to it's just like you wouldn't stay with tenant if it wasn't for what Eccleston did. Did. But. Also, I think part of it is the love interest with Rose. Oh, for sure, Rose all I the mean, way. I mean, yeah, I'm in love with Billy Piper, so I, 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 mean, I and 100 associate <laughs> with what he's feeling. So, yeah, I would do that too, sir. Um, so, yeah, okay, sorry, we had to get that out of the way. Uh, we'll have to do a special about that now. <laughs> I just so, want to give a shout out to Eccleston because he always gets like just shout on. <laughs> also, Matt Smith, excellent. I yeah. loved Matt Smith. Like he doesn't get enough credit, I don't think. He, it's it's actually very close with him and um and uh Tenet for me, but Tenet wins out, so Yeah, I'm not sure. 
Cool. Okay, and then our last indie book and our last vault book and a brand new book. Yes. Now, you got a advanced copy of this, right? Of one and two. Oh, interesting. So, so I know a little well, bit more, but I'm, it still doesn't, it doesn't change my opinion still. Let me go ahead and talk about it. It is Hollow Heart, number one, published by Vault Comics. Words a.k.a. Story and Letters by Paul Lore and Pictures, Lines, Colors, and Covers by Paul Tucker. And what'd you think? No, I fucking love this book, dude. I knew you would. <laughs> like, yeah. For the record, I do too. I'm not trying to be like, yeah, I knew you'd like Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, it's good. It's very good. Um, so, yeah, give me a bit of detail because uh, you've read issue two, so you might give me a bit of an idea of like, you know right i mean even still it was almost like on purpose i got two just to make me feel like oh i i, I know more but at the same time like it doesn't leave, really leave me like knowing that much more I, I still like god so uh there's this facility we're just gonna get down a little bit into the story there's a facility and they have these robots these like animatronic robots you can kind of see the face and it's kind of skeletal and kind of and with the pinkish pinkish visor uh and our main robot is called l Apparently, they're trying to escape, or they've been trying to escape, and every time they get caught, they, they don't get far. And see, and then we get to our main character, our repairman, and he kind of understands. Like, there's really like nobody. There's really no sympathy for these robots. Like the 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 dude who caught him was just like some piece of shit. Was just like fucking robot. Took out his aggression on it. Uh, and but this guy comes out a little more compassion, or a little more compassionate with with the with L, and starts opening him up and starts talking like there's like i guess like al never really talked and you start feeling some sort of like start, start, start feeling sympathy towards uh towards al and he does too i'm trying to blank on his name right now uh but anyway we, we get to find a little bit more about him he's super gay and he's super adorable <laughs> I, I was fucking... gonna say this kind of feels like a gay sci-fi version of um oh my god the fucking Fishman movie. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> Water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does start taking that approach. Uh, the, so it. our main character has a night out and has a weird epiphany on his on his one night stand. His super not not focused when you really should be. <laughs> <It's> uh, <great. laughs> so he gets this epiphany where I should help L out. Uh, only thing is that by helping L out, it's we're not setting L out into the free world. There's this tether, almost uh, like a and think of an inhibitor chip. And once yeah. once L uh, passes that point, L will go down. Like we'll just we'll just basically just die. But what's death to a robot, you know? So it's just like it starts hitting with like how is this thing that sentient that they actually want this? They're not escaping just because they don't like it here. They're escaping because they'd rather take that out anyway. So it's kind of like what the fuck? We start. It's just like it's such a real character here. My problem is is fucking what's his name i don't i don't buy that he's really that into it. i mean I, I get i feel like we are gonna get that relationship i oh god i don't feel like that person's like it's, i feel like there's more of a selfish act here i don't know I, 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 I there's something sketchy about it and even still i guess i guess like for a spoiler like in issue two it's not that it doesn't really help out but it doesn't really help out the case going the other way either mm -hmm. it's just more like 
I feel like this the, the this dude is just almost like into it for like the rush of doing this. But so it's like, but again, I don't know the full story yet. Uh, but yeah. but that's what makes him that's that's what makes me love it more. It's really good, especially with like when you get into like uh, the narration, like like in the end of like, God damn it, that's that's some that's some deep ass shit. Like, where is it? Um, Desperate for connection, we die alone. Oh, sorry. Uh, sometimes we scream in, in vile, our wretched cries falling in deaf, on deaf ears. And so we die alone. Desperate for a connection, we die alone. And in other times, in other times we, stri- we strike all our screams, uh, holding our voices from those uh, we know who would respond. Either way, the result is the same. But imagine. Imagine a world where everyone can scream and be heard. And it's like, God, and that's from the robe. That's from L. And it's like, that's some deep fucking ass shit. So I'm like, ah, I'm all about this fucking book. Yeah, it's great. I really enjoy it. Um, I like that it's 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 slowly revealing things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's doing it in a at a pace that is keeping me interested. Yeah, uh, not too slowly, not too quickly. Um, so I really appreciate that a lot. Um, I'm I'm really really digging it. Um, yeah, and it's, it's almost because like, like what's great about Vault is like you never know where you're gonna uh, you never know where you're gonna get from from, from this publisher, and so and it's always for like the better. It's like you see, you see this book at face value and you're just like, okay, cool. But then you get something so much more out of it, like fucking submerged heathen. And now this, cause this, this book um, almost feels like it could take like a horror approach and it's like shape of water. Get my thought. would we want to say it's like a horror, but it's not just cause it's a monster. And this, this book like just tiptoes the, the vault nightfall line, which is what I like. It's like, I feel like it's going to go horror, which is, I think why, where my mind goes that way, but it's not a horror book, which is why it always like, this just reels back in, but I think I've, my my brain is already so much deep in the dark that the book just becomes so dark in my head and that's why just, i'm so gravitated towards it yeah definitely um i'm really digging it i got the jen hickman cover no nice yeah so um but it's it's just it's just really good i'm glad to see where it goes i think uh one thing you and me talk about is a lot of time with vault books they're all minis like not all of them but so many of them are just minis right and that's kind of like a bummer to us but then i think about it i'm like this is kind of like i i started thinking about vault as like a collection of short stories oh you know right. what i mean yeah like and, and that kind of makes it feel better for me i actually really like that now thinking about hey you know this is just like because i was an english major in college i actually have several textbooks that are just short stories that i bought just to have a collection of you know several hundred short stories nice yeah so it's kind of like that for me and like it's really interesting and I'm, I'm really starting to come around to that uh, it's so, actually yeah. it's actually the reason why because also this week uh the trade for bleed, the, bleed them dry came out had to fucking buy it because i do want people to read this but i'm not going to share my floppies with anybody fuck no <laughs> so but I'll, I'll give them the fucking trade and it's again just like to add it to the collection because it's like yeah for sure it's just gonna be a vault of just great short stories yeah and you already have a nice vault uh collection yes. of trades so that i feel like i just have to have the complete set now <laughs> Yeah, it's smart. That's why they do it now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but really, really enjoy this book, guys. Highly recommend uh, out there if that sounds like something you'd be into. Um, yeah, it's really, really good. So um, now we're going to move on to DC. And we're going to launch into our Future State reviews. Uh, we're getting close to the end of Future State. Not quite done, mm-hmm. but we're getting there. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is the follow-up to one of my favorite books so far, which is Catwoman number two. Nice. Is this two out of two? Right. It's two out of two, unfortunately. Okay. 
so spoiler alert on my review, I say, unfortunately. Uh, Ram V is the writer, Otto Schmidt is the artist, and Tom Palatano is doing the lettering. Um, so once again, this was a train heist with Selena trying to free a bunch of people from this train uh, that were being taken by the magistrate. She has her little crew. They're doing this really cool heist. Uh, we discovered that Bruce is also on the train. So this is between the time where he allegedly died and when he became the dark detective. This is how he got free to become the dark detective. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And then uh, also Talia's there. And I love Talia. And uh, she's she's such a great character to me. And I think that's one of the reasons I really, really enjoyed this book is because I love the the tension between the three of them. Um, I One of the things I've always liked about Bruce, and you know I'm not the biggest Bruce fan, yeah, is when he's a person, you know what I mean? And so the whole Selena and Talia like love triangle was always like an interesting thing to me and how he's torn one way or the other. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I'm the baby mama, so I'm definitely more yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. And then that got ruined when DC retconned it that she raped him, which was fucking stupid. Oh. But we won't get into that. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, but basically there's like no question here. Talia saves Bruce, but then Bruce saves Selena and then kisses her. Like there's no debate as to who he's into. It's pretty great. Um, but she's managed, she manages to free all the people and everything. And, um, I'm not going to go too much into it because there's a lot of Batman, uh, development this week in books. Um, but this is, this is part of the, the, um, um, what's it called? The, the, the group that's the, the revolution revolution there we go the revolution that is going against the magistrate this is kind of one of the starts of it so uh but yeah i really really enjoyed this book um phew, uh, maybe not quite yara floor but it's 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 hovering really it's that good to me yeah. okay so um next one is nightwing number two um so this one, in, in this one, Dick is Nightwing. He's holed up in Arkham Asylum, and the new Batman shows up, and then they suddenly get attacked by a bunch of magistrate, right? Um, so basically, they're in Arkham trying to hold off all these uh, magistrate soldiers and stuff. And you find out that he is the uh, Dick, that is, is the leader of the the Resistance. He's the one uh, holding them all or holding them all together and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. He, um, the whole thing is, is he's like, it's fine if I go down because, you know, the revolution will live on. And they're like, you don't realize how important you are to the revolution, basically. It's kind of a, 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 a he's torn between that kind of stuff. So, um, there's un- overwhelming forces outside uh, of Arkham waiting for the two of them. But of course, they don't, um, they don't care. <laughs> so, um, they go out to fight. And as they are, uh, one of the peacekeepers is there. So the peacekeepers are like the generals for the magistrate. Yeah. One of the peacekeepers is there, and uh, they're like, ah, like they, they set off a missile, and the peacekeepers are talking shit, and they say, uh, they're like, fire again, and then they get hit by a batarang. And then it's a close-up of a very familiar face for me with her lovely green eyes saying, please don't. And it's Barbara. Ooh. As Bat Batgirl again. Ah, nice. She's actually Oracle. 
And but you see the resistance, which is uh, Cass Kane as Batgirl. Uh, we see Huntress, Talia, Oracle, which is technically Barbara's name, codename here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robin, which is Tim. Uh, Two Face. What? Okay. Yeah. Man Bat and Batwoman. And basically, they jump into the fight and start fighting uh, with them. So basically, it becomes a big brawl, and the resistance is basically like, no, we're not letting you sacrifice yourself because you're the only one that keeps us together, basically. Hmm. And uh, I think this is shortly after Barbara gets out of jail, which we'll talk about in another book in a moment. Uh, Like I said, a lot of these tie together. Uh, But they end up fighting uh, the Peacekeeper and... Dick does cool things like he always does. You know what I mean? Like, so the cool thing about it is uh, basically they, um, the peacekeepers and the magistrate do a bunch of illegal shit in the process of this because there's like, there's no cameras nearby, right? Well, after they defeat them, Dick reveals that they hacked all the nano swarm cameras, the, the invisible ones that have been like flying around, and they've been recording everything. Oh, shit. Yeah, so they just dump it all on the internet, basically. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, like, it was, it was, we're definitely coming to a head, you know, with what's going on here. Yeah. And so I'm curious to see how and when this is all going to wrap up. Or uh, just how it plays out after this. Because some of these yeah. movies are like, you're at the end of it, so catch the beginning of the series once this all kind of ends or something. Yeah. One thing I'll say that I don't like, and this is not about this book in specific, this is a DC Future State thing right now. Um, your covers are absolutely beautiful. Do not put a Superman and Lois on the CW advertisement on your cover. You don't know how much that ruins a cover for people like me. Oh, the back? No, the very front, right in the right in the little corner. Superman oh, and Lois. Oh, I see. Oh, the little ad. Yeah. I'm like, like you have so many more pages you could put that on. Just don't put it on the cover. Yeah. It makes it. It makes it visually unappealing to me when that happens it's on all of them right it's on every single one this week yeah and i'm like like it's just it, i don't know it's just not for me i'm seeing on the i'm just on the one issue i got for a future saying it's like ah yeah you're so right it is so jarring i, I really was trying to ignore that this whole time <laughs> yeah and it's just like especially because i have no interest in that show yeah like you're gonna cancel supergirl and make a superman show great thanks that's <laughs> what that's what we asked for so awesome uh I love Supergirl, by the way. I'm one of the few defenders of that. Show. <laughs> uh, so, uh, sorry, and and this issue, uh, did you say like that, that Two Face was kind of an anti-hero who's helping him out? Yeah, he's a full-on member of the Resistance. Oh, that's cool. I I do like when Two Face is more of an anti-hero. Um, yeah. One of the cool things about was it in was it E52? It was like the the year of the villains thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a, a Two Face issue, and where he pretty much just like flip tails to kind of go the other way of being a good guy of his moral compass. It was actually a really great fucking issue. Um, and he just kind of starts taking Gotham back by himself uh, because nobody suspects him because he thinks like, oh, he's on our side. Yeah, Two-Face is here. Then they all get betrayed. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> nice. yeah, I like Two-Face. Nice. Yeah, it is is pretty good. I really enjoyed it. I, I'm a big fan of uh, Dick Grayson. So yeah, good stuff there. Next one is Shazam number two. Hmm. So this follows up on the uh, Teen Titans story. Right. Which I thought it would. Where at the end of the Teen Titans, we saw that they put Shazam in front of the doorway to hell. 
Um, but what's keeping it close is actually Billy, Billy and his innocence, right? Yeah. And so, um, long story short, uh, they just need to get Shazam back in hell uh, and switch places with Billy. And Shazam's little makeshift team of like Miss Martian and Vixen and the question, um, they're all uh, trying to figure out, uh, or basically, they're trying to figure because he killed a bunch of people in the last issue. They're basically interrogating him, trying to figure out. And he's like, listen, they, they want him to say Shazam. And he's like, you don't understand. I can't. I can't do it because he'll, you know, go back to hell and bad things will happen, right? Um, one thing about this book is they keep it a secret who the question is in this case because it's not Renee. So um, you're kind of like, I don't know who the question is. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a really cool appearance by the, the Spectre, which isn't the last time he appears this week, you know? Um, so <laughs> Man, uh, okay. Yeah. So we find out who the question is. He's a bit, it's, it was a really cool moment where um, the question shows up and he's like, you're out of control, buddy. Someone's got to stop you. And I'm the only one who can. And Shazam says, who are you? He goes, good question. And then it's dead man. Oh, no way. Yeah. He, Dude, jumps, yeah. he jumps out of the question and says, don't make me do this bill. Just say it. And he's like, I can't. And he goes into him, takes control of him and makes him say Shazam. So they switch places and the door opens in hell and out comes like, I'm sure it's a character that everybody knows, but it's, it's basically, it's going to lead into black Adam, uh, future state black Adam is what is okay. going to happen. So, uh, which we already saw part of. Mm-hmm. So um, it, I think it's that group that's fighting him, but it looks like a Raven queen. Like, because remember Raven was down there with Shazam and how yeah. to close the door. It looks like Raven was taken over, but she looks very different. Okay. Like she has talons and stuff. Oh, sick. That's good. I fucking love dead man. So damn it. <laughs> yeah. I love dead man too. So yeah, I thought that was really cool. A good twist. I, I thought that was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. So overall pretty good. Uh, I'm not the biggest Shazam fan, but it was, it was a solid ish, or a solid series. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is the end of it. Uh, again, it's only a two, um, but yeah, solid, um, enjoyable. If you're a big fan of the character, it's definitely worth it. It's not one of the light-hearted Shazam stories because sometimes Shazam will have a really light-hearted story, and sometimes it has a really dark magic-based story, hmm. and it throws people off sometimes. <laughs> so, um, just to give you a heads up, it is one of the dark ones. So, yeah, um, that is it for that book. Next up is. Okay, so this one has multiple parts on it. Uh, we are looking at Superman Worlds of War. Okay. Um, so, with John Kent taking over as Superman, the big question has been, where is Clark Kent? And we found out in the last issue that he is in um, War World, being held captive by... Um, um, Mongol? Yeah, Mongol. I couldn't remember the name. Uh, and so being held captive by him and uh, basically having to fight in the pits over and over and over. And that follow, this follows up on that story. Uh, so we see, we see Clark continue to fight and um, his whole thing is that he he's fighting with a sword and they like 
criticize him. They're like, you didn't kill anybody. Why would you even fight with a sword if you're not going to kill anybody? And he's like, I wasn't aiming for them. And basically, he's cutting all the chains for all the slaves. And so it doesn't really lead anywhere. It's not, not like they immediately have a revolution. They kick his ass. Uh, so, but, but I thought it was a cool idea. And I'm, I'm kind of digging it. I'm getting some really World War Hulk vibes from it in a good way. Like, I'm, I'm digging that. So, um, it's okay. Not the biggest Clark fan, so, but, you know, it, it's fine. I like the art a lot. Oh, speaking of which, creative team, of course. Uh, like I said, there are four stories in this one, so it's kind of a jam-packed book. Um, let's see. Oh, and also, while I'm pulling that up, there's a, in this story, there's a side story of characters back in Smallville talking about how great Clark was. And uh, they find his spaceship underneath the Kent farm. Uh, it, it was a cool thing, though, because it was... It was set around an article that Clark wrote about somebody who died. And so they based the whole story around it, which was kind of cool. I, I really dug that part. So, um, Oh, yeah. Creative team. Philip Kennedy Johnson in writing. Mikhail Hyanin drawing. Jordi Belair coloring. And Dave Sharp lettering. Now, the second part is uh, Mr. Miracle, which is actually our fourth Mr. Miracle story in Future State. Which is bizarre to me. <laughs> like, I love it, but wow. So, um, basically, he's drawn here to try to save Superman by a, a signal that's Kryptonian in nature. And he um, he goes there. It's kind of complicated, and uh, I'll get there as best I can, basically. Um I should also point out that the Mr. Miracle stuff, I love the art so much. Um, Valentin Delandro does the art. Uh, Brandon Easton wrote it, Maurice Louise coloring, and Dave Sharp lettering. Um, there's a there's an unfortunate thing that happens in this story um, where basically, long story short, the signal that he is teleported there by is the signal that he sent. It's a temporal loop. Oh shit! <laughs> Damn. Yeah, yeah. He caught himself in a temporal loop, so that's kind of what it is. Um, but he's Mister Miracle, so if anyone can escape, he can. So yeah, because he's the ultimate escape artist. So hmm. it's pretty good. It was actually a very short story, so not too much to talk about. Uh, the next one is Midnighter, uh, Future State, which, for those who don't remember, it was a Wildstorm hero before DC bought Wildstorm. And he and Apollo were basically Batman and Superman if they were in love and married. And uh, this was a very funny book, a funny story. It was written in a very funny way. Uh, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad. Uh, drawn by Michael Avon Dimming. Colored by Jordi Belair. And lettered by Travis Lanham as well. Um, he gets confronted by Apollo, by his husband, at the end of the last issue. But we find out it's not Apollo, it's like an android. Uh, so that's good. He, uh, something happens in, with the temporal energies, and he gets reduced to being a little kid version of himself, which is pretty cute. <laughs> um, and then he's aging rapidly and stuff. Basically, he's able to defeat it, and then, um, you find out that, and this is this is why I said the other one was unfortunate, you find out that he's caught in a temporal loop. What? Unfortunate. 
Yeah, they kind of did the same plot twice, which is really unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, oh, no. Like, did no one talk to them? <laughs> like, I was like, come on, guys. But, yeah. Uh, but it's fine. It, it's it's a perfectly good story. I prefer the Midnighter one because it's a character I care a little bit more about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got a pretty decent sense of humor, which is great. Um, but, yeah. And then... The last issue is Black Racer, um, which is a character I don't have too much experience with, um, so I can't talk too much about it. Uh, but once again, that also takes place on War World, where they're trying to um, save people. And uh, yeah, it, it went pretty good as well. There's a lot in this book, so um, I'm not going to spend too much time going over each individual one, especially because Superman is far from my expertise or height of interest. I will say that the um, the work was done well. The, I I I love I liked the art. I liked the work of everybody. So I had no issues there. It's just the subject matter is not the thing that draws me in the most. Right. So, um, but yeah. Oh, and then that last one, the the Black Racer one. Sorry, uh, got to give creative teams. We're got to give the proper credit. Let me see here. Yeah, these books are just so thick, and with it being four stories, it's just whoa. Um, Jeremy Adams wrote it. Uh, Saya Um drew it. Oh, and I really liked the art for Black Racer. I should point that out. I thought it was really good. Uh, Hi-Fi did the colors, and Gabriella Downey did the lettering. So, pretty good. Um, we're almost done with DC. Uh, but the next one is The Next Batman. Um, now, this is issue four of The Next Batman. And this one also has multiple stories in it. But I really enjoyed this one quite a bit. Um, so the main story, which this is the conclusion of the plot, uh, written by John Ridley, art by Laura Braga. They put breakdowns by Nick Darrington, so I don't know exactly what he did, but maybe lettering or design or something. And colors by Arif Prianto. Um, so in previous issues, we found out this married couple killed a guy because he basically murdered their daughter. So they just got revenge. Well, the magistrate wants to execute them because that's the way the magistrate does things. But Batman wants to make sure they're actually arrested. So basically, he's trying to protect murderers from being murdered, basically. Right. <laughs> Which is kind of cool. I like I like the idea of him fighting to make sure that it's done properly. Like right. That's a really Batman thing to do. So um, I'm really enjoying this book, uh, or enjoyed, I should say. Um, basically, they get in a car and they have like so many blocks to go. And they're just driving, trying to get there as, as easily as they could. And, and, of course, everything goes wrong and nothing, nothing's good. Uh, so, <laughs> um, but in the end, uh, I'm not going to tell you exactly what happens. But let's just say not everybody makes it there. <laughs> and uh, But someone does, at least. And Batman kind of does the th- Like, he made an effort to save people in a way they probably didn't need to. Uh, at the same time, his mother works for the police so when he shows up she tries to shoot him and because she doesn't know who he is mm-hmm. so he has to throw a batarang and it like buries in her shoulder Ooh, yeah so he has to stop his mom and he feels bad and so the real um, would have no never mind that would have been worse yeah <laughs> uh, he would have he would have like precision like thrown in the muzzle but then that would that shit would have just like splutter in her face and so never mind yeah well, I mean, the real Batman in the past threw a batarang into Dick or into Jason Todd's throat. Oh God! So just to stop him from killing the Joker. So yeah, yeah. 
that's a sore spot between me and Liz, by the way. <laughs> that's like that's like one of the comic book moments she hates the most in the history of comic books. So yeah. Um, but yeah, no, and so basically, like the whole idea is like in the end, she's just like uh, talking to her son. She's like, "Oh, don't worry about it. It wasn't you. It was Batman." <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and then the whole focus is on them trying to be a family again in the end. So it's fine. Um, but there's really always enjoyable. that battering in the back, in the back of the spine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I really, I, I did enjoy it. It was, it was one of the better like overarching plots I think through Future State as far as like the long, long term ones go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I dug that. Um, the next story is. Let me. I'm thinking a moment here before I speak. Besides Catwoman, no, maybe even including Catwoman, this might have been my favorite Batman story of Future State. Sick, nice. And that that is Batgirls. Oh yeah, cool. Uh, so Cass Kane, Stephanie Brown, they are undercover in a prison uh, for superheroes and supervillains, and there's this really great like distinction in the prison of uh, black hats and white capes good guys and bad guys, but they're all in there together, but they don't like each other. And in the end, Cass Kane is able to like do some like ninja shit to get in while Stephanie and the, both of the white capes and black hats cause chaos, like basically cause a prison riot uh, because Cass needs to get to somebody who's being held, which we've discovered is Barbara Gordon. Mm. And uh, so basically, yeah, all these bad guys and good guys team up and uh, they're just causing a bunch of shit. I just love Stephanie Brown because she's she's got the, the eye patch still and it's just a really good look for her. Like, it's just really cool. So, um, but yeah, it, it's just this really cool, like, uh, undercover thing. They get Barbara out. And again, this comes back to the resistance thing. Um Barbara being Barbara is incredible. And once they get her out, she's able to hack um, basically everything in in uh, Gotham to project a message. And it's basically announcing the resistance. Oh, shit. And, and being like, we're coming, basically. Which was really cool. So, um, I really dig this. I'm, I, like, I have a super hard weakness for Batgirls. Like, they're... Mm-hmm. they're Barbara's my favorite DC character, period. Mm. And Stephanie and Cass aren't far. <laughs> so, yeah. I just really, really enjoyed it. And the art was really well done. I loved the story. Um, and this is where the resistance became like the villains and the heroes. Like, there's a really cool shot at the end where it shows all the all the people they they freed, all the prisoners, good and bad, are now working together in the resistance. So that's where I presume we get Two-Face. That's presumed where mm-hmm. we get Talia, you know, things like that. So, uh, all working together. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, really, really, really enjoyed it. So, uh, the next one is uh, Gotham City Sirens. I actually liked this way more than the first issue. Okay. Because uh, I had some issues with the first one in that it just didn't grab me. Um, it was Ivy, Catwoman, and a character I didn't know who was like a robot. I guess she was created for this story. Oh, um, where they, um, they decide to go out for a girl's night and they find a speakeasy where masked people can go without the magistrate finding them and it gets attacked. I'm like, that's fine. But 
this one is actually really cool because it's the the attack and the aftermath of it and um the girl who is the robot becomes kind of a cool character she becomes like she's trying to discover kind of like what it's like to be her it's hard to explain Mm -hmm. because she has the memories of a young woman uh but she she's not that young woman you know she's come basically a whole crisis of identity so um but they end up going to ivy's um like like a little um well i guess i'd call it like a cabin but like yeah a little cool place where ivy has set up a greenhouse it is a greenhouse but it looks like a house it's weird (laughs) so um selena is shot at one point Oh, and so Ivy's using vines to try to take the the bullet out, oh, which is ooh. which is pretty funny. Um, and she's just yelling at her the entire time. Basically. Yeah, vines get thicker as they grow, don't they? Like, oh god, the, 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 they're they're really they're really tiny vines. Like, okay. And she says that they exude a natural uh, antibiotic like thing. So you know what? I'm the one feeling like... this, Ivy. I don't believe you. <laughs> you don't get to call me a liar here. I'm the one feeling this. Yeah. So. Um, and then uh, she gets it out, and then she's like, she's got like medicine for it because, of course, she. I, I really like the idea that Ivy has all these like you know herbal things. You know what I mean? That makes a lot of sense to yeah. me that she has stuff ready. So, um, the next day they all chill in basically in a hot spring, trying to feel better. Mm-hmm. And and it's great because then they just decide to have like a heart to heart about their relationships. Oh. And um, it's like uh, Catwoman or, or uh, the robot chick asks Catwoman to tell him about the famous Bruce Wayne, and they're like laughing. It's just like you know, it's I don't want to talk about it. And then it was great. It's like, um, uh, oh yeah, the robot says, "I read that you were a couple once," and Ivy's like, "Once, twice, thirty times," and she's like, "You have no no room to talk, Mrs. Quinn." And Ivy's like, I was also with someone off and on for a while. It was complicated. Uh-huh. And then she's like, Harley, complicated? You don't say. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of Harley and Ivy together because I really don't see what Harley brings to that relationship. <laughs> it feels pretty, like, toxic, to be honest with it. Like, But obviously the cartoon's different. Uh, that's a completely different thing. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. And then they get attacked again. And long story short, the robot girl has to sacrifice herself. And it's really sad. So, um, But yeah, once again, this also comes to part of the formation of the Resistance. So all the Batman books this week kind of led to the formation of the Resistance. So it all kind of came together like that. So that was cool. Um, that is it for that book. So that leads us to our last Future State book. And being this is the one that you did pick up, uh, I will have you start off uh, on Immortal Wonder Woman number two. Real quick before you do, I will run down the creative team for the main story first. Uh, Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad working together again. Uh, Jim Bartell doing the art wonderfully. Uh, Pat Brissot lettering and uh, Jim Bartell does the main cover too. So, all right. So yeah, talk to me about Immortal Wonder Woman and what you thought. Yeah, so... Uh, it's Diana in the ether and the co- in the void, bopping around, not knowing which way's up. <laughs> no, 
yeah, no, well, she's literally that. She's just like in the void and she's just like reflecting on how much everything sucks being alone. And like in the middle of nowhere, she sees um, a half broken daily planet planet. <laughs> and she's like, oh shit, it's home. And then, and then off of it comes like a black, black shit comes out. It's like, oh, I got to run away. Um, but yeah, so we'll cut with, then we can go back to the flashback where we left off. Cause it's like, yo, we left, we left off on something pretty fucking big, uh, dark side <laughs> choke holding an old ass Superman and you coming in to save the day. So we get that fight. It's pretty fucking epic. Everybody's able to let loose. Cause it's just the three of them as like the last things on anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's not there's no collateral damage really, so. <laughs> Yeah, literally, because yeah. in the end it was just um yeah, um Clark being Clark and it's just like this is my fate, just stand back. This is also like they, they take the fight to space. And I guess like to one as like one last attempt to just kill off Darkseid, because there's a great moment where even Diana's kinda like, I wonder what Darkseid was thinking part. Mm-hmm. Where like did he know that this was like the inevitable end. Did he almost like? Did he plan this? As in, like he he wanted this too. As in, like no other way to go. Probably in a little blaze of glory. Because let me tell you right now, the spoiler is that's exactly what happens. Uh, <laughs> Clark just takes uh, takes uh, Dark Side to the sun, and because he can just you know uh, split an atom with the fucking punch, uh, he detonates the sun with them and around them, and it's fucking awesome. Uh, and that's what sends everything into darkness, and why. Diana is just literally drifting in the cosmos. See, what's funny is, um, and I mean, obviously this isn't a funny story, but I'm, I have a point. Um, <laughs> yeah. We just read Superman Wonder Woman where he punches yes! the sun. <laughs> so, I literally thought about that too. And this, these like, are supposed to be like the bigger daddies of, of with to that power scale. Uh, yeah. yeah, like it's like, what? <laughs> I love the idea that somewhere that sun god is just sitting there. And then just gets knocked over, and he's like, "What the fuck?" And out of nowhere, like, <laughs> like I was like, "That that is excellent. I appreciate that." So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, so talking about this book, you you can't really start anywhere on this book without start talking about the art. Yeah. Oh man, but Jen Bartel knocks it out. Like it's just like to make like just the void of space and still add that glittery prettiness that, that she does so well. Like this book looks, looks incredible. Diana looks yeah. incredible. Yeah. We also get a really emotional, um, moment with the specter. Oh God. Yes. Which I mentioned earlier, uh, we're going to see him again. And this is where, where specter basically is like, you know, he it's just the two of them left, basically. And he's she's like, it's just us. And he says, though, it won't be us for long. Mine was to exact vengeance. Mine was atonement. Without these things, I am already gone. Yeah. And it's like, oof, like, it's just, it's good. It's really good. It was almost like he was just holding out to just see her one last time. And just like, just to just check. And it's like, all right, cool. Last person that I don't even need to check this job on. Goodbye. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of uh, the the scene in a uh, in Sandman where death elaborates on like what happens to the endless at, at the at the very very end like who who would be the last one and now death is just very comfortable with like yeah I just basically I make sure everybody's done for once everything and everyone is done and I just close the door behind me and that's it and it, it reminded me of like that that scene a little bit yeah definitely so uh, I I really really enjoyed this story it's very philosophical oh yeah. 
it's not a beat him up kind of thing. And it ends ends with a just it just ends beautifully. Dude, yes. Like it's just it's a beautiful ending. That's basically the best way to say it. So yeah. Um and then we have a backup story for Nubia, and I was curious to see what you thought of this as well. Uh so this is like where because I really like that first part. I did like this part too, but I was just way more lost in this one because I just like don't know my DC lore, extensive DC lore, even less so. So like all like the the villains that they were throwing at me and like all like all of the backstory talk, all the dream talk was just like well, I'm I'm just reading words, but I'll get to the next page and I'm just like, oh cool, sweet, some fucking punching. There we go. <laughs> it all it all looked good. It all looked awesome, yeah. And it was like I, man, if I understood this. Yes. <laughs> I I don't get me wrong. I'm great. not saying I'm not saying it was bad writing. I'm just saying like pe- pe- oh, people yeah, totally. would appreciate this. I'm just, I was just so fucking lost, and I was just waiting until you know Nubia did her thing and started punching shit, which she does. Yeah, and uh, I will say I knew a little bit more. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm familiar with Cersei. Pretty familiar with Cersei. Okay. Uh, so that was the one thing. See, like, I, I wish I understood her, so, so I can be like, oh, shit, there's a, there's a power scale, Nubia's kind of fucked here, and then we'll see how she pulls out. So I, I didn't know that. I was just like, well, Nubia's just going to punch the shit out of her, and she's just going to own this. And so, like, but so I, I wish I understood the power scaling. I'll say this um, to help you understand Cersei a bit. Um, I think she should have been the villain for the Wonder Woman movies. Ooh, that's cool. She, she's that level. Nice. Like, uh, yeah, I can't think of a comparison, but I personally, I think she is the best arch nemesis Diana has. So, oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was really well done. Uh, the art was cool. I like Nubia as a character. Dude, fuck yeah. Yeah, I love, I love the art so much, and I love the design of her hair. Yes. It's just so, it, like, it's such a great acknowledgement of uh, natural hairstyle. Yep. Uh, but still so eye-catching and gorgeous. Like, I really, really dug that. So um, that's the, one of the main things I saw. So Also, her, her suit, her black-red suit on with a touch of gold. God, it's so badass. Yeah, totally. And the 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 tiara. The crown? Yeah. yeah. It just looks, it looks great. Like, ah, oh, just a great design. So, um I'm curious to see what they do with her further. Me too. Um, I'm still obviously more Yara, Yara Flora. <laughs> oh, so, for sure. She's, yeah. She's amazing, but uh, definitely curious to see where this goes. Um, now, not knowing much about Aunt Nancy, I'm pretty sure, is that supposed to be a Nancy? Because, I mean, there's spiders and stuff. So. Ooh. I see it now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be a Nancy. So, uh, which, which makes sense, you know, but. Um, yeah, um, good stuff though. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think I'm getting DC'd out though, man. I like, I'm, <laughs> I, I've read too many DC books. Lately. There is this like fatigue. Yeah. And I bet you feel it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So soon, soon we'll be done. Um, but yeah, we'll see where this goes. Uh, and that is our DC books for the week. Unless you had anything else you want to add. Uh, not DC, but before we move to Marvel, I do need to rectify that I don't think I threw out the creative teams for the vault books. I did. You did? Okay, cool. I was just going to remember. Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. We're good. We're good. <laughs> so, no, I made sure of it. Trust me. Sweet. Um, awesome. Okay, so we're going to move on to Marvel. And I know you have a solo Marvel, so I'm going to let you go ahead and start. Yes. Uh, I read Spider-Man, Miles, Mor- uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man. 
uh, issue number 33, Legacy 263. Uh, I'm usually a cover A type of person, and something like this where it's like a king and black tie-in, I should. But usually Excalibur just gives me like the variants when I don't want them to. And I have to go and I just go out and fix that really quick. But this time, I had to fucking keep it. <laughs> it's titled as the Black History Month variant. But it's but this week was this week's comics came out the seventeenth, so let's just call it what it is, and it's the Valentine's Day cover. I'm sending you the cover right now. <laughs> it is choice. There's <laughs> not much Black History Month about it, more so sexy time vibes. Hell yeah, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's Miles and Genki. They're like, oh shit, a fucking black dragon. Uh, Genki, go fucking hide or go get people the safety. Let me do my thing. Uh, and he does. He literally uh, pretty much like gets around him and then around him and zaps him because he already did it once before. And he fixes the dragon. And then you feel really bad because this dragon looks super fucking lost. He befriends Miles, which is really cool. Gets a ride with him. Uh, but then like just like that whole headcanon thing is just like now this is like this super lost dragon that it's, that's only way of getting here was that life support symbiote just to travel over here and now there's no way to get home so i'm hoping he becomes like a character or something because i feel bad he gets like the super sad face uh but anyway he hops on him to get a ride uh because in like the main story is miles versus uh nullified kamala khan uh and god poor girl uh in this fight like she's she's kicking ass don't get me wrong uh but miles has to like zap her fucking twice in order because like the first time is like she's free but the fucking symbiote's not letting go. Uh, and right before she, like, gets, like, engulfed in it, it just, like, pretty much, like, zaps her, like, face first. Uh, and and she gets free. She's like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, this is great. Like, it, that shit fucking sucked. Like, like come on. Just come out of the just, like, such a pure heart that even having, like, Noel in her head, like, she just, like, having those thoughts and, like, that voice saying, like, every fucked up shit you could even think of was just, like, not for her at all. Uh, and she's like, oh, shit. You say, yeah, thanks, dude. Where's Miles? And he's just like, out. He's he's giving it almost like his, his all. Like three, three fucking zap blasts like that. Especially to like a dragon and twice to Kamala when he didn't really want to, but he knew he had to. Yeah. And now, and it's just like the last shot. It's just Kamala with her ambiguified hands holding a just unconscious Miles and just like sky's black a dragon's going overhead everything's going to shit and god damn it <laughs> yeah it's like god damn it why is it just why is spider-man just starting hit to hit king of black <laughs> uh but yeah it, it was a sweet a, a sweet little issue um and yeah that wraps it up on my solo marvels cool okay um so let's see what order do i want to do this in. oh before i forget oh yeah I come on Grinch, I'm sorry great- uh, oh, yeah, do your creative team, yeah. Yeah, uh, Saladin Ahmed as a writer, uh, Carmen uh, Carnera as an artist, uh, Derek Curiel as a colorist, and Corey Petit as a letter. Great. So I forgot a creative team, and I remember this because, yeah, I should not forget this creative team. I didn't mention the Batgirls creative team. Oh, shit, okay. <laughs> and when I say it, you'll know why I'm annoyed with myself here. <laughs> um, Batgirls is written by Vida Ayala. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Vida. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, my we, love, we love you. <laughs> um, uh, Arts by Aniki, who did the Ruby art. So once again, love it. Yeah. Uh, Trish Trish Mulvihill does coloring, and Becca Carey does lettering. So yeah, my bad. Uh, so uh, I love you all. Anyways, uh, so back to our Marvels. Um, I have several books that you don't have, so I'm going to get through those quickly. Uh, Black Widow number five. So 
just pulling up my camera right now because I know I'm going to need to talk about it. Um, so there's this story in Black Widow where she um, she lost her memory. She went off and married a guy and had a kid is basically the story. Well, that's real. That that actually happened. It wasn't a trick. It's very much something that happened in this story. And in the last issue, you see them blow up. And you're like, oh, God, they're dead. That's crazy. And she's mourning and stuff. And her little team right there is Bucky, Hawkeye, Yelena Belova, and herself. Ooh, okay. And, and, and they're being attacked by people who allegedly blew up her family. Uh, basically, Yelena tells her, hey, get over it. We need to, you know, mourn later, basically, is what Yelena says. And they start fighting the bad guys. And there's a moment... I've I've always complimented this book, by the way, for its action scenes. I think it's some of the best action scenes in comics right now. And I should stop and say, written by Kelly Thompson, Fuck drawn yeah. by Elena Casagrande, uh, with Rafael Della Torre. Nice. Uh, colorings by Jordi Belair and lettering by Corey Petit. Oh, cool. And there is a Same sniper. One. There, yeah, there is a sniper who's trying to shoot Hawkeye. And this shot is my favorite shot of the week. Ooh, nice. Uh, I gotta send it to you. So do it. He's like, we have eyes on Hawkeye. We've got the shot, and then just—it's a cliche thing, but it's done in such a way that I fucking love it. So, for those who can't see it, obviously, he's looking through the scope of his gun oh. at Hawkeye, <laughs> and Hawkeye shoots an arrow through this really complex scope and wrecks it on the way through and hits the guy straight in the eye. <laughs> Isn't it the scene perfectly? <laughs> Isn't it the scene from uh, yes, from uh, Saving Private Ryan, the sniper versus sniper, but with a bow instead? <laughs> so <Yeah>. dope, <laughs> so great. And then there's others like again, I can't express how much I love the design of this book. Mm-hmm. Like, like this scene of Hawkeye. I'm sending this to you once again. Hawkeye, and this is a double page spread too. Oh, nice. Yeah, Hawkeye's just up on a beam above everybody, firing down, and it's just like looking down at people and like taking the shots and stuff. It's just oh, it's just so great. So uh, now Bucky is not there for this fight; <clears throat> he just disappears. Right mm-hmm. after they get free, uh, Nat's by herself, and Bucky comes in, and he, he's like, "Hey, it's me." And she's like, "Tell me." He's like, "It's done. They're safe." She's like, don't tell me where, not even. He goes, I know. And you find out they used a hologram to fake the death of her husband and child. Oh. And Bucky basically hid them somewhere. And now she'll never know where they are and she'll never see them again. Ooh. And it's and it's it's basically it's standing like that. It's going to be like that. And so, so he hugs her and stuff. And it's really sad. <laughs> and, um... It ends with uh, a shot of the husband and the kid on a porch somewhere. And he's like telling her, not all love looks the same. This is the best way she can love us. And we just have to hold on to that sacrifice and live our best lives. And I'm like, Jesus, dude. <laughs> like, so um, it also has a new at the, at the end of the book. So this is going to be an ongoing. This wasn't a mini. Oh, which I'm very sick. excited. Cool. Um, and if you do like action, I mean, like there's some of the best action, like I said, but there is a new, I guess you could say a new costume for her near the end of the book. And I'm going to send you that as well. Yes. That I really, really like. Um, which I just love hoods. 
You know what I mean? Like, I love hoods on costumes. I think they make a lot of sense. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I, I totally agree with the hoods, but wow. That, that, that looks sick as fuck, too. Yeah. So, um, at the end of it, it does say new arc April 28th. So, we're going to have a month or two off. Uh, but she's, it says featuring a new suit, new mission, and new cast. Um, and uh, issue six is going to be the first uh, full Marvel debut for Rafael De, De La Torre. It's going to be his first issue done entirely by him. Oh, nice. So I'm definitely picking that up. And then Elena Casagrande comes back for issue seven. So, yeah, dude. But, um, this is a sleeper book that I don't, I've not given enough like credit when I'm <laughs> talking about my books. I'm always like, it's really good. And then I move on. This book's incredible. Like, I, I just, I love the action. The cast is some of my favorite characters Hawkeye, Bucky, you know, Nat. I love all those characters so much. Yeah. Um, it was just really, really dope. Um, highly recommended. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on from there also the only issue left was the variant cover with alien on the cover which i don't like those alien variants i wish i could get an a cover <laughs> I, have to keep, I have to keep an eye out for it so. I, I had to at least get the the cap one so she wanted really wanted that one. Oh yeah <laughs> i did get the cover a because they're all alex ross covers but at least i got that one yeah i'm just not a big fan of aliens you know like i don't oh, really? really care yeah no i've never been a fan of that i, stuff, I, so. I love breaking up the, the science and how crazy it, it, it all the, all the nonsensical bullshit of like the evolutions of how it all works uh, especially yeah. after prometheus but that's a whole conversation for another time yeah i don't i don't like my sci-fi too horror based oh, okay so that's probably it so. science is scary <laughs> oh it is it doesn't need to be monsters it's fucking <laughs> terrifying like like yeah so um next up is guardians of the galaxy number 11 now this is not a king of black tie-in so the last issue okay. was yeah where star lord basically wasted an old dragon without trying but then they realized hey the olympic gar- gods are back and they're going to kill us all we have bigger issues basically so huh, okay um and this is an issue that's kind of about if it's about two people it's about Nova and it's about Star Lord, and okay. basically, um, it's Richard? more about Nova than anybody. Which Nova? Uh, is it? Uh, Richard. Richard, yeah, yeah. So he talks about he makes reference to Annihilation, Ooh, okay. where um, where Annihilus shows up with I don't know if you remember this image, but with Galactus attached to his machine as basically a weapon. <laughs> He's pointing at everything, blasting rays and stuff. So they end up going back to the planet where that fight happened, where they held off for a while, but then had to retreat. And that's where they're going to fight the Olympic gods because it's dead. There's no one there. It's the most dead place in the universe, basically, because yeah. of how bad that fight was. Um, so that's why they're going to fight there. And throughout this, Nova is having a therapy session with Doc Sampson back on Earth, like via video chat, which I thought was pretty cool. I, li- I liked that touch. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he's basically explaining it, and they're waiting basically to die. And he's talking about what it's like to have, you know, uh, Star Lord back, you know, and it, it does it bother you and things like that. And Star Lord, uh, again, he was gone for a very, very long time in the previous uh, issues. 
and he's back and he's he's like zen master now like he's crazy Crazy. okay (laughs) pretty funny yeah and he's stupid powerful um so the two groups of guardians finally come back together and uh that means this is the first time that gamora is gonna see star lord since he came back which uh yeah she's not happy (laughs) so because the last time she saw him he snuck out to do a mission without her because her and the other group didn't want to do it so him and rocket went and did it and he died basically so this is her first time like seeing him since then and she's just like yelling at him and stuff um it's like you get yourself killed and you leave me with a voice message and stuff like that like she punches him um (laughs) yeah and then she's just like we'll just discuss this later we're we're basically going to die anyways um we get some more follow up on moon dragon and Phylavel, which is great because moon dragon is kind of like a combination of our moon dragon and the other moon dragon so she's both is and isn't the wife of Phylavel. it's like a whole identity crisis thing which is great um really really good and uh star lord has a new like hoodie costume I don't even know if it's a nice. Bring actually. on the hoodies. No, no, it doesn't have a hoodie. Sorry, it's oh. a high collar. But uh, it looks dope. So basically, they're like, we're getting a bunch of weapon technology. We sent the other team to go find it. And um, the other team is Hercules, Rocket, uh, uh, Captain Marvel. Um, what's his name? I forgot his name. No, no, not Novar, the other one. You know what I'm talking about. Oh. The, one that's, the one that's dating Hercules. I always forget his other code name. And then Groot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Punk Groot. <laughs> so they're the ones on that. And when the Olympians show up, the first thing they do is they blow up the ship with all those people on it. So uh, I'm pretty sure Hercules is fine. And I'm sure uh, Marvel Boy is fine. Uh, hopefully Rocket and Groot are fine. Yeah. So, um, but then it's it, basically there's a confrontation. They show up and uh, Zeus is just like talking shit. And Starlord says, I hear you, Almighty Zeus, King of the Gods. You're saying it's us or it's nobody. And he says, fine, then it's us. And I am sending you this last page because <laughs> it's a doozy. Plus, this way you can see Starlord's new costume. Yes. So. There you go. So, it's pretty dope. So, you can see Drax in the background. Oh, that's cool. Prince of Power, Nova, Moon Dragon, Gamora. Yeah, so. Yeah, and uh, we'll see. I, I bet it's going to be a really cool action pack scene. I'm very excited for that it. That gun is dope. It's like an old school Colt. Yeah, that's his element gun. He basically yeah, can cool. transmute elements with it, which is pretty great. Yeah, like, like so. the, old, the old elemental gun was like just like more sci-fi, spacey looking. It's just straight up like a Colt. Of course, yeah. space Colt. Yeah, because he adapted it and stuff. Yeah, so. that's cool. Um, yeah, really, really, really enjoying Gardens of the Galaxy. It's competing with x-factor is the gayest book <laughs> which is oh, great no. i love it like everybody's some kind of gay in this so it's and this really is great. al ewing right uh Still? yes okay oh shit thank you i forgot to, uh it is al ewing and uh art is by one cabal uh coloring by federico blee and lettering by cory petit so yeah, nice yep uh so that's guardians uh next up is spider woman number nine Written by Carla Pacheco, drawn by Perry Perez, coloring by Frank DeMarta, and lettering by Travis Lanham. Um, So we're getting more into this illness that is uh, holding Jessica back. Uh, She's losing her temper a lot. Her powers might be fading. 
Um, and the only cure is basically uh, working with Octavia. So it's like this whole, like, she's a bad guy, but we got to work together thing. And the last issue was a King of Black tie-in where she had to beat up Rhodey, basically, to get what she needed. So she's kind of like treading the line, basically. And uh, in this one, she comes face-to-face with the High Evolutionary and find out that he made 70-something clones of her mother. (laughs) So so she's dealing with that, which sucks. Um, And yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. Um, I, I love what Carla does with, with, uh, with this story. I really like how she uses Jess a lot and, um, she's got so much anger in her, which is a lot of fun to see. Um, we also see Octavia's daughter who is, uh, I gather is a clone as well. And who's really cool. And I really liked her. And I was like, oh, maybe she'll become a reoccurring character. And then Octavia snaps her neck at the end of the issue. And I'm like, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so um, we'll see where that goes. But it's just really, really good. Um, I, I, I really enjoy this book. I love that Jess has her own book. Um, I think it should go on for a very long time. She's just a great character. Um, also on the cover, there's like a bedside table. And there is a Captain Marvel action figure, which is pretty funny. <laughs> so, yeah, because that that ship is hard. <laughs> like, pe- people do not give up on that ship. So yeah, um, yeah, pretty good. Moving on from there. Next up, we have Iron Fist: Heart of the Dragon number two. Cool. So, uh, in this one, it's the follow up to the first issue, obviously, where the Seven cities of heaven are being attacked by a mysterious eighth hidden city. And if it can kill the dragons of heaven, so each each city has a dragon, if it can kill them, it can use the power to like manifest itself on the world. Uh, you find out that Iron Fist is charged with gathering all of the immortal weapons that are left, as well as heroes from Earth to help defend. Yeah, and cool. so you're like, ooh, ooh there's going to be crossovers, right? So... Uh, you also can see Taskmaster again, which is like our fourth appearance in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, so, written by Larry Hama, drawn by Dave Wachter, uh, colored by Naraj Manon, and letter by Travis Lanham. Um, so he's he's bombing around with Luke Cage already, and um, it's a lot of really cool mystical stuff. Great imagery. I really enjoyed quite a bit of this. Um, and the immortal weapons that do show up are Dog Brother. Fat Cobra and Bride of Nine Spiders. Yes, uh, we do know that Tiger's beautiful daughter is dead. Okay, um, so that leaves two weapons. Uh, one of which is Davos. Oh, nice. And I don't know what happened with Davos. He doesn't show up in this, hmm. and I cannot remember for the life of me the last one. Okay, so. Um, so I don't know what's up with them. Maybe they died. They did say some of the weapons have already died. So I'm thinking that last one probably died or Davos died maybe. Um, Davos might have died in another story and I just forgot about it. So, But anyways, um, yeah, they're all uniting. And then it's like, okay, we're going to have to um, we're gonna have to fight these bad guys, basically. So him and Luke and everybody start fighting these bad guys. And it's a really cool fight scene because you get to see all the immortal weapons do their thing in different styles. And then it cuts to, of all places, Wakanda. Oh, damn. Yeah. And it's Okoye. And she's like, this is incomprehensible. (sighs) And she calls T'Challa, and she's like, an entire Asian city 
has materialized above the forest near the border. Oh, oh shit. So I think we're getting Black Panther in this book. That's sick. And remember, Fat Crowbar was an agent of Wakanda. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so I think that's going to be part of it. And she sees a dragon fly by and stuff. And apparently there's reports all over the planet of cities materializing. So I think all seven cities are actually materializing on the, the plane. Okay, yeah. They, they might all actually show up. How cool would it be if this is, like, permanent? And yeah, like literally, Wakanda has like a mystical city allied right next door and stuff. Yeah, that'd be dope. I, like, what is it? Uh, literally, uh, blah, Braxton or Braxton with uh, mm. with Asgard, but just times seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh, the last thing is there's like a gate opening, and it's like if that door opens, all, all under heaven will fall, and it's like breaking, and then. Uh, someone on the other side says soon and then Iron Fist throws himself against it and holds it closed and says not yet and that's when it cuts Ooh, Okay, yeah. so it's, is he going to have to hold it closed you know um, and then the next issue Okoye is on the cover attacking a dragon nice so she's definitely going to be a major part of this so I'm excited yeah I need to jump on this um, too it's good it's only two issues so far so yeah. it wouldn't be too hard <laughs> next up is Modok Head Games number three <laughs> um, <laughs> I love this book. <laughs> it's it's so funny, um, and it's setting up the animated show that's gonna be on Hulu. Quickly, we'll run down the creative team, written by Jordan Blum and Pat Oswalt. Just a you know little Pat Oswalt like, appearance. Yeah. Um, Scott Hepburn drawing, Carlos Lopez coloring, Travis Lanham lettering. This is more ludicrous than most. Deadpool stories. What? Okay. Yeah. So there's a moment on here where. <laughs> okay. So Gwynpool is hired to kill Modok. <laughs> okay. And she, uh, she's trying to find the portal on Krakoa because she lives on Krakoa. Oh, nice. Of how to how to get as close as possible to where she needs to go to stab Modok. And Skids, who is Loki of Mutant I Love, shows up to help her. And she's like, hey, I thought you gave up being a mercenary. She's like, fine, you got me, Skids. I'm inconsistent. She's like, but weren't you like once a Madonna pastiche? And then it's got the editor note, X Factors, number seven, volume one. Oh. And it's, a, you know, the old school thing? Yeah. And it, it, it always like has the reference and then the editor that put it in, the name. Mm-hmm. So it says X Factor, number seven, volume one, Jordan don't do this bit white <laughs> and she and it's not just there she's actually holding it oh cool. like when is physically holding the sign yeah and she's like and then weren't you an mlf terrorist and then it's like new mutants number 77 volume one jordan damn it more white <laughs> and then it's like and then an undercover shield agent uncanny x and 47 volume one jordan deleting writers contacts from phone white nice. <laughs> and so she figures it out she asks in Cohen. And, um, yeah, so she goes. Uh, Modok is there, and apparently the machine that turned Modok into Modok was just left on. <laughs> so the idea is, like, all these creatures on this island that happen to wander into the Modok machine are turned into a form of Modok. So there's, like, a parrot Modok and stuff oh like God. that. So he has to have a fight with all these animal Modoks. And it's great. Um, he's, he's killing them all. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Gwenpool shows up. 
they have a brief fight, and she kills Modok. Oh my god. She splits his head in two, right? Yeah. And so at this point, I'm looking at the page, and there's this really weird red dotted line. And I noticed this while reading. There's a red dotted line near the near the inside margin. I'm like, what's why is that there? Like, maybe it's counting down to something. It'll make sense. And I turn the page, and it's there again, right? And he's just dead. And then she's like, she reads his mind, and she finds out what's going on that he has like memories of a family and stuff like that. And she's like, huh? She's like, all right. And then, and she, oh, one of the best parts. She's like, a family. They're humanizing you. This is your book, and I'm just the guest star. <laughs> so. She climbs out of the comic book. Of course. And she's like, I know I was clowning about skids being inconsistent, but what if that's the point? People grow, people change. She walks up to a comic book rack, <laughs> takes a copy of this comic book oh that God. we're reading. Yeah. And she's like, the only way to fix this is to do the unthinkable and desecrate your comic. And she starts drawing the comic. She's like, come <sighs> on, gentle reader, just cut along the dotted line. If you can remove that page, we can undo my innocent, silly, easily forgivable oh. little goof. I know, I know, it'll devalue this sure to be collector's item, so you should probably buy, say, five or twelve extra copies just to be safe. <laughs> like, and so then, then he's just like, like, what happened? You know, and she's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Basically, the, <laughs> so it just completely erased what happened, which is excellent. And we keep seeing these memories of Modoc's family. And I, I just want to say this. I, I got emotional reading this. What? what? <laughs> so, so Modoc, as you might remember, has a wife who's normal looking, a daughter who's normal looking, and a daughter who looks like Modoc. Yeah. And no one reacts to this. It's perfectly normal. And he's on a video chat. And his daughter, who looks normal, looks sad because it's her birthday, and they're singing "Happy Birthday" to her over video chat. And he goes, um, "He goes, what's wrong? Are you okay? Was it the wrong Beyblade? I knew I got the wrong Beyblade. <laughs> it's, like, it's not the Beyblade. The Beyblade was great. It's just I know your flight was canceled, and now you can't help it. But it just feels weird that you're missing this." And then he says, "Well, technically, you're born at 4:47 a.m." which means if I hit the road in my rental now, I should make it back for exactly one hour and 23 minutes of uninterrupted celebrating. So who's missing what? And they're like, you're going to drive eight hours just for me? He's like, of course, I'll always find my way back to you. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm just like, fucking Modox is going to make me cry. This is fucking <laughs> bullshit. And so I, I was so annoyed. By it. <laughs> like, I was like, like, I was like, I should not be upset because of this. Basically, he finds the... He finds out that the house he's seen in his visions is real, goes to it, and his father is there waiting for him. So we don't know oh. what's going to happen beyond that. But this book was simultaneously absolutely goddamn ridiculous. <laughs> and also heartbreaking. Like, I was just like, he just he just loves his family. And then I'm like, God damn it, Keith. <laughs> like, I was like, that was, that's maybe, really good. <laughs> maybe I'm just going through a hard time right now or something. I don't know. So... <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I can't wait for the, the series. It's just going to be... I just love it. So, yeah. Um, which leads me to my next Marvel book, which is Marvel, number five. Cool. Uh, this this is the the anthology series with the covers by Alex Ross. Um, mm -hmm. I've had kind of like a hit and miss relationship with these books. 
But um, this is my favorite issue so far. Um, the first story is um, draw, or written by Gene Ha and drawn by Gene Ha, and also co-written by Xander Cannon. And uh, it's a day in the mystical life of Wong. And it's a story oh. from Wong's point of view. Oh, that's cool. And he basically is just chilling. And then he gets like, he's like literally eating noodles. And he's just like, oh, we got like an alert. So he calls Strange. He's like, hey, you won't believe this. We got something. It's an SNOS from this realm. He's like, I'm, I'm going to go check it out. And he's like, all right, cool. You know, go do that. And he's like, um, wait, where are you, Strange? And Strange is like, uh, Milwaukee. Wong, I really have to go. There are techno-magical human hybrids coming through time portals. It's just a little crazy at the moment. And Wong's like, oh, wow, Milwaukee, huh? Listen, there's a Bon Mi shop called Choose there. If you have a second, do you think you pick something up? This one here is a chain, and it's all fusion-y. <laughs> like, you know, like, I love it. So, And then Wong goes to this other world. Long story short, <clears throat> he meets a young woman who I, I believe she looks like she is indigenous. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got some like traditional like uh, jewelry on and then like a high tech dude. And basically he turned magic high tech. He made it bigger and better and faster, but he has no respect for it, obviously, but they got trapped in this other world. And uh, Wong's like, all right, well, I hope you guys get out. And he's just like, uh, the guy's talking about his company. He's like, we deal in efficiency. You like stuff? I figure out how to get it faster. Drone deliveries, helper robots, even fun, or even fast, fun Asian food. And Wong goes, wait, did you start a fusion restaurant in the village called Bon Mi? He goes, you've eaten there? Cool, you get it. <laughs> it's like throwing you just shit on. It's so great. And so, um, long story short, he goes to save them. It's a trap. Uh, the dude is trying to trap an elder god and use its magical or its time travel powers to rule the stock market and shit, right? Mm-hmm. And then he turns on Wong, and <laughs> the guy's like about to do the thing, and Wong's like, "Orlock, I, I mean this with all sincerity. Your restaurant sucks." Yeah. <laughs> like, and he goes, "Whatever, foodie." <laughs> like, it's so great. I love it. And then, um, basically, the dude screws up. And uh, the girl who's helping him seems like she was just kind of caught up in it. She was not a really bad person. Mm-hmm. And Wong makes himself gigantic. And he's like, I take from this outcome that you don't like your job. She's like, yeah, not particularly. He's like, when did you start? And she goes, four, wait, no, four and a half months ago. He's like, all right, I'm going to erase his memory for the last five months. <laughs> and so he erases his memory. He never met her and all this stuff. And um, the dude leaves. And then Strange shows up with a bag from Choose. He did bring the food, which is great. Aww. Yeah. And he's just like, who's this? And he's like, oh, this is Zigwan. She's going to help out for a while. And so she's like a new apprentice for them, which I'm like, I love this. This is great. So that story alone was really good and made me love this. The second story was even cooler in a certain way. Uh, being a Captain America nerd like I am, this story is Nick Fury in World War II. after Captain America died. Oh, oh shit. Okay. So he's literally just drinking in a bar, talking about the people he's lost and about how great Captain America was and about how... The one line he said was, um, uh, nobody deserved to go home and be happy ever after more than that guy. Goddamn. 
And I'm like, fuck, it just hit me, dude. I was like, yeah. And then he's like, yeah, you know what I mean? And the the person across from him is a little kid, a little German boy that says, Expricking English. <laughs> <'Cause he doesn't... laughs> and then Fury tells him in German to go home. His mother's probably worried about him. Uh-huh. And I think I think this is after they, they took down Berlin. Okay. So the the kid's free now. Yeah. And the the kid salutes Nick Fury and Fury salutes him back. And then Fury's going out back and he's like, I'm not gonna puke, I'm not gonna and then he starts puking and he looks down and he puked on a portrait of Adolf Hitler. <laughs> and he's like Dope. he starts laughing. Yes. But then he just lays down and he's sitting there drinking. He's like, Here's to you, Captain America, the best of us. Fuck yeah. It's like, oh it's so good. Goddamn. Uh the next one's a very short story about Wolverine and Hulk fighting while Cyclops and Xavier are talking about. Cyclops doesn't like that Wolverine doesn't have a strategy. Mm. Uh, and basically, Xavier says, Logan reaches the peak of his power when he surrenders to his rage. That is his strategy. That's basically the hook. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, of course, we get the Nightmare and Doctor Strange stuff, uh, which is continuing. So, really good. Um, this is definitely my favorite issue of the series so far. Nice. I do need um, to find a report. The Wong yeah, the long story is great. So cool, it, it is kind of great. Yeah. Um. All right. Finally, books we share. Yes. <sighs> I've been talking a while, so let us start with Champions. Yes. Champions number four. Champions <laughs> outlawed number four. I should say. Uh, writer is Eve Ewing. Artist is Bob Quinn. Colors is Federico Blee. And lettering by Clayton Cowles. So as we know, the Champions is kind of basically teenage heroes are outlawed unless they have an adult sponsor. Um, most of the Champions have been captured. The only ones who are still out there are Miss Marvel, Nova, Spider-Man, uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and Ironheart, as well as Vivision. So last time they got cornered by Cradle, which again, I love Marvel uh, organizations and their stupid uh, <laughs> acronyms abbreviation i love it yeah acronyms it's so great <clears throat> they're cornered and they're rescued by x-men and former champions cyclops and dust yes and basically cyclops is like uh yeah i represent Krakoa. these people have ambassadorial you know immunity basically and cradle's like yeah i'm not gonna fuck with that basically <laughs> got the fuck out of there so. so good yeah um and then Pixie shows up, love me some Pixie, um, and teleports them out. Uh, Cyclops reveals, yeah, by the way, uh, I can't actually take you to Krakoa. That was a lie. Yeah, God. Like, basically, basically like, I was bluffing, basically. <laughs> and so he's like, we can take you wherever you want and everything. So I'm like, oh, that sucks. I wanted them to be on Krakoa. But then, but then <laughs> it got better. Because where did they go instead? The Marauder. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> so we get to see them hang out with the Marauders. And I love that um, Kate's introducing herself. And I love that Kamala has always been like a superhero nerd ever you from the, nerd, yeah. the beginning. So she's like, you're a shadow cat. And she's like, you might know my friends as Storm, Pyro, Bishop, and Iceman. And she's like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I know every one of them. <laughs> it's great. So, And then Cyclops puts on his champion's uniform. Which is cool, little touch. Yeah, little old school. Like, I love it. Yeah, and basically Kamala's like worried about everything, and um, they rescue a ship, and the ship is it's a long story. I'm not going to get too much in detail of it, but basically, um, they were uh, the ship was doing some kind of research, but it was actually disrupting sea life, and um, 
basically uh, Atuma shows up and there's a big fight. And there's not really a, a good guy on either side. Like, they're they're really disrupting sea life and don't seem to really care all that much. Right. But Atuma shouldn't be trying to kill them, you know? <laughs> so um, that's when Kamala kind of learns the lesson of, like, you know, what if you're wrong when you make the choice? And Iceman says, if we're wrong, we're wrong. You know? And uh, Pyro, and we hope to be lucky enough to try again tomorrow. And I was like, aw. <laughs> So that was really cool. She finally gets a little bit of optimism, and she's like, we're going home, basically. Yeah. Then we cut to Viv Vision, who's been staying with an old lady. And we get this really cool story about, like, the how this lady was one of the ones who, like, um, protested at the lunch counters during the Civil Rights Act and was just sitting there and kind of compared it to, like, that. She's like, uh, why are those people mistreating you? Because we were breaking the rules. But the thing is, those rules weren't fair. And I'm kind of like... I love the comparison, but at the same time, I'm kind of like super-powered kids. I don't want to compare that to Civil Rights Act. There's yeah, like a no, little, sure. little, little too much there for me, but I still liked it. And that's um, like before I turned the page. It's like when she goes like, well, honey, where I come from, what you did is called snitching. And then and my own, again, my own fucked up headcanon just went off. And especially because I've been listening to uh, the new 21 Savage album with uh, <laughs> with uh, Morgan Freeman on the monologue. My headcanon just literally just went to, but you know what? What you did, you're a fucking rat. <laughs> <laughs> and then I turned and I was like, yeah, you can't fucking compare this shit. Yeah, it was kind of like, uh, an ill-fitting comparison, but I still really liked yeah. it. So. And then they are going to be going back and um, fight for their rights, basically. Mm-hmm. Now, did you look at the cover for the next issue? I'm about to. Because I did. Oh, yeah, no, was that all of them? There's Amadeus. Yeah. He's back. So I'm very excited. We're going to get more of the group together. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, good. Really good, though. I'm really enjoying this. It's it's a great companion with Power Pack, too. I think they're two sides of the same thing. which is Right. I'm, I'm glad it's kind of going into that, too. Yeah. So pretty great. Um, I'm enjoying Anything else you want to say about that? Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see how it's going to like wrap up or how it's going to all come together, too, because this should have been Civil War, too. Like this, this topic should have been some more too. I'll say, I'll say to my grave. You've said that several times, yeah. I didn't hate Civil War too, but it was a just, lot of people did. But there was no like, oh, I stand on this side for on this side, as opposed to like the, the first time around was very much like, dude, what do you fucking believe in? And this second time it wasn't really like, it was more. It, I guess, I guess, like, a, never mind. I guess I'm con- contradicting myself. Carol was just wrong in that one. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, Tony was just wrong before. We're not going to get into that because don't let Liz hear you say that. <laughs> it comes up at least once a week in our house. By the way, <laughs> so she's like, "Well, that's why I'm opposed to registration." And I'm like, "Or that's why I'm in favor of registration." I'm like, "Oh my god!" But see, like, there, there, there's you can make an, a good argument. Like that's why that's why I love that episode with this went off. But in Civil War Two, there's just like very little case for Carol on that one. Which is why I didn't really yeah. feel like to hold up to a civil war too. Where this one, like, yo, we can go off on both sides. On, yeah, on, on, that, on that line. So. Yeah. Uh, so, and that takes us to... And I want to... I've been talking quite a bit once again. So I'm going to kick it over to you after I introduce the creative team of Thor 12. Okay. Uh, writer Donnie Cates. Art Nick Klein. Coloring Matt Wilson. Lettering and designed by joe sabino uh, the only thing i will say before i kick it over to you is donny cates 
You made me think you killed Frog Thor. Oh, right. You made me think you killed Throg. <laughs> and I almost lost my goddamn like, shit. Wow. I was so like, even upset. still, like. Okay, so I, I was wondering um, how we were going to do this. Um, either King in Black uh, 4 or Thor 12 first, because I, mm-hmm. I just. I've been wondering how, why, or why this was told in a certain way, but I love that the, these two issues kind of put it, put something, uh, the timeline in some perspective. And, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into it in a second. Uh, so yeah, Thor, number 12, Prey, part four, six. We last left off where Donald Blake is after everybody who's ever kind of, or has like a taste of the, the Odin magic, the Odin force, and he's just sucking everybody dry. And last where we left off, he was going to be confronted by... He was confronting Throg with Lockjaw. And on the first page is... It's a dissection of a frog. And with the narration... (laughs) With the narration that is very... It's like, it's... The first page is very much dialogue heavy, like narration heavy. And the whole time is just like leading you on that it's just like, Throg didn't fucking make it. His name is Throg. May he rest. May his rest be long, <laughs> and his song be sung in the halls of every heaven. And it's just a, a big ass page of a dissection of a frog. But on that distant day, that that, that battle is done, and it's like, oh fuck, okay, <laughs> what? And then we get the page for at least my panel of the week. Uh, fucking Donald Blake is getting slapped around by fucking Throg, and he's <laughs> and Throg just, oh god, very well. Now comes the pain. <laughs> That is so badass. <laughs> I love Throg so much, dude. Like, like, and it's funny because we're reading Power Pack too. And remember when they were like, "Who do we want to be our sponsor?" They're like Frog Thor. <laughs> like, all oh, that would be the best of fucking adventures. <laughs> like, it's so great. So, yeah, they have a really great fight. It's like a jumper um, fight. They like, like fucking yeah. Donald Blake keeps using the because he has Lockjaw, who can just teleport anywhere. Um, he, Donald keeps using the Bifrost to just teleport just Throg who's in his vicinity and just teleport anywhere else but Lockjaw's literally on their trail and just like before he can just actually get the bite in and god damn it again another badass shot god the shit that Donnie Cates come up, comes up with Donald goes for a stab Throg says weak ass shit let me just hop <laughs> hippity hop on your blade and, in, and then gets caught midair and Donald just literally just swallows Throg in one bite before Lockshot can even get there. And he's like, yeah, too bad. <laughs> but guess what? That's why there's an old <laughs> thing of thro- <laughs> frog in your throat. Because guess what? This fucking Throg has a fucking frog on there and just throws it off his esophagus and rips off his lips, breaks off his teeth from the inside. And oh, God, that is so <laughs> awesome. It was so great, dude. God, this fight is incredible. Like I, we 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 were talking like highly of like the Galactus and Thor and like the Black Winter and like or fucking Thor and Beta Ray Bill. This fight yeah. is insane. <laughs> anyway, that the, the fucking the frog on your like shoots out of his mouth. It comes back, hits him in the gut, so, so he can spit out Throg. Now, where were we, monster? As he catches the fucking hammer. It's all good. It's so fucking good. And then he just like cracks one right in the fucking dome. It is beautiful. <laughs> I I love the panel where he says, "I have no words for thee, villain." <laughs> like it's just so good. Like just just this little frog dude just 
beating the shit up. Winding with the hammer just is so good. Because that part's badass too. Like Lockjock finally got got a good grip on his arm, like bites down and just throws him in the air. As he says, I have no words for the villain. So let the frog near do the talking. And then just literally like in between those baby blues. Boom. Fucking crack the fucking (laughs) boom. Uh yeah, it's awesome. Uh yeah. And then we have a really great moment. It's like, wow, he's not just a badass. He's actually like, Throg is actually a great character. He's actually just like contemplating, shit, how can we, how should we handle this? Like, let's fucking do this shit right. And then we cut to the city as Jane is like wondering what's been going on. And then fucking Throg and Lockjaw just get dumped on her footsteps, literally. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking insane. Yeah. Cause then we come to the fucking, um, yeah, apparently like, it, it just went to shit immediately after. And then we're in front of the Sanctum Sanctorum. And I guess fucking Doctor Strange had to run in with some Asgardian magic because Donald yes. Nick is after that shit too. It's um referenced in King of Black too, actually. Okay, yeah. Cool. So, uh, so yeah, so he's, he wants to get after that, but Jane sees all this and then tra- immediately transforms into uh, Valkyrie to which now he actually believes it. Uh, fucking Donald is like, well, no, nah, that's interesting. And then celebrates away. And then that is where we get all the all the dump from from Stephen Strange with what he's what he found out by uh, from Donald. Yeah, and then it cuts to Donald with an axe trying to kill the World Tree. God. And Thor realizes it's happening, and basically swears vengeance. And then we get <laughs> the trademark Donny Cates last page reveal that he does better than anybody in comics. Basically, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, Valkyrie kicks in a door for a bar somewhere, uh, quote, suddenly worlds away. And she's like, get out of here. Basically, you know, if you can find your way out of the bottom of your cup, it's time you stopped hiding. People are dying. Your son is in trouble. And all of it, every inch of it is your fault. So settle up. You're coming with me. It's time you clean up your mess, Odin. And this is like an Odin I've never seen before. Yeah, definitely. He, it's a really cool design. It is. Yeah. But goddamn it, like, fuck, this is such a great book. It's so good, dude. Like, I, I hate how much I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, not Still not tying into King of Black. This all takes place before King of Black, presumably, so. Really? I want to say it takes place after. Well, based on something that happens in King of Black. No, no, no. That That's something else. The Doctor Strange thing? Yeah. Is that the same thing? That staff? happened before. That happened before. Well, I'm saying that like, because he... So we're, we're kind of be jumping in, in dialogue, but what happens to King in Black, and then but isn't Donald Blake kind of like taking it away from him here in Thor? Yes, and, but he's had it. He's had that before. Okay. When when he fought Loki. Mm-hmm. That's when he first used it. Okay. So when he, he references the power used when he fought Loki, not the power used in King of Black. I think King of Black is, is after this. Alright, because I, I, I kind of understood that well, King like Donald took it away since he's just like ripping all of all of as guardians from every from everybody. I figure, and then also like not making not aligning why Thor is like away in his book but present for this fight. It seems like maybe the yeah. Thor going away happens after King and Black, maybe. But it could I be think, more. I think I think because of the rise of the Valkyries is why I place it after this. Okay. Because there's no like sign of that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I mean that's just my personal opinion. So. I mean, it probably doesn't matter. So, yeah. um, which leads us directly to King of Black number four. Yes, 
uh, written also by Donny Cates, uh, pencil by Ryan Stegman, inked by J.P. Meyer, colored by Frank Martin, and letter by Clayton Howells. Okay. Uh, Chapter 3 was called Thunder. Chapter 4 is called <laughs> Lightning. Yes. Just be- Before so, we go really get into it, what did yeah, you please. think of this issue? I loved it. <laughs> yes. I, As a Marvel nerd, a lot of this appealed to, like, the deep lore within me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which, especially the ending, which we'll get to. <laughs> uh, but uh, we basically see Dylan being um, seduced, if you will, uh, by Noel to be basically to join his side. and to, But Dylan is using their connection to actually free all the people that have been nullified. <clears throat> I like so that Noel some- still has to rock the black jaw. Like, there's almost like a, a fantasy Noel, or he's almost like an, an apparition of Noel, where he could just look like his normal self, but he still has to rock the black jaw. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then um, he's freeing the people, including Cyclops, uh, Johnny and Sue Storm, Thor, like, and they're coming up with a plan. And um, we get to see Black Cat, her, her series ties into this, which yeah. is really great. Um, where she brought the Asgardian stick to Doctor Strange, who finally woke up, apparently. And um, he used it and transformed into Asgardian Doctor Strange. And he looks dope as He looks really fucking cool. (laughs) Yeah, so... um, He's crazy powerful. He's got, like, Asgardian uh, magic and everything. And they're all working and fighting off. And then we see Namor show up. Now, here's the thing. We haven't gotten the newest issue of Namor yet. Mm-hmm. But that looks like the Black Tide is working with him. It does. I was wondering, like, what the what the reference would be or what the significance of it all. But it's just like, God, like, the, these have been, like, weirdly timed out. Um, yeah. But it, it, if that's a reveal, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Because it's like so the maybe. one time that we've been waiting for, like, what, it is, what does it all mean in the end? Uh, but cool. At least we got this. Yeah. Um. And I love that he's actually helping. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, for sure. It sounds horrible, but I'm I'm glad that he like is actually you know contributing. So, <laughs> um, and then so yeah, we we continue the fight. We see a brief shot of the the celestial that Tony took over fighting. Like it's just a big, really big fight scene. But it all comes back, and someone is talking in the mind to everybody this entire time. Mm-hmm. And we find out in a really cool page that it's Jean Grey. <laughs> and she, Gene looks excellent here. Fuck yeah. Like, those legs, though. <laughs> like, I was just kind of like, hey, um, I've never been a Gene guy, but maybe. Like, this is why. Um, <laughs> this is why she's so badass. It's like, oh, I get it. Yeah, and also, she, yeah, she's a badass. So, um, so she's, like, reading Noel's mind, and she's like, he forged the darkness, you know, all this stuff. It basically, it t- kind of gives you an idea of his, his origin, mm-hmm. but then in the end, it's like, Wait, but there's an opposite of him. There's a light, and we we know that, but they don't know that yet. This is the first they find out about it, um, and so the light is. We found out the light is trying to get in, but Noel's bubbles keeping it out. And we saw Silver Surfer last issue. Yes, and I saw a discussion where somebody messaged Johnny Cates and was like, "Is Silver Surfer the light, or is he working with the light?" And he's like, like I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so, um, spoiler: Silver Surfer is not the light. Um, so the light is trying to get in, and Silver Surfer's there, and he's like, 
he's like, uh, basically, you're not here for me. Now go on, then go and find your warrior. <laughs> and there, it's like it's like six pages of build up where everybody's like, I know what it is, and they cut to somebody else before they could tell us. <laughs> and then Reed's like, we've been calling it by the wrong name, <laughs> Captain Universe, and I'm like. I love this shit so yes. much. It's so dumb, but I love it so much. <laughs> like, Captain Universe is one of the dumbest things in Marvel. I love it. It just hops around whenever it needs to, mm-hmm. but it's so great. And then it pops in, and then Josue. Yeah. Who does it choose? Eddie Brock. <laughs> Eddie fucking Brock. It's going to be Captain Universe. That's fucking great. This dude. is so good. That's a really, really great twist. So, um, yeah, this is this is turning into a really solid crossover. Oh fuck yeah! Um, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I want to know. Uh, I mean, like he controlled the sea, but I, there's like it's, it's in these events, it's everything is catastrophic. But name, I mean, like it's one thing when it's like the the plan was, hey, Cyclops. Open your eyes without the visors. Uh, invisible woman just sent out a giant invisible wave. Uh, Doctor Strange just sent out a different beam, and Human Torch just sent out a supernova to just send out four beams to just like intersect and cross for just like to weaken a lot of the symbiotes. That's one thing of destruction. Well, I guess like all the buildings are covered in symbiotes. I guess they're protected that way too. But another thing is to send in a giant tidal wave into the island of Manhattan, literally engulfing and covering a lot of the buildings that's some serious fucking damage afterwards he's done it before (laughs) (laughs) but that's like like the the repercussions after that were just like well we'll see because that was like some holy shit levels of like destruction but again they all they all are covered in symbiote so including the building so i guess they're that protected but anyway yeah just like a long time ago peter parker got was was Captain Universe, and he saved the day, and he's been almost like absent in this in this crossover, and yeah, for Donny Cates to just like give this amazing superpower to Eddie Brock, it just like it got all up in my fucking giddies, and <laughs> I was just so happy throughout this whole book. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. So, um, so normally I'd move on to the next book, but. I'm presuming you, like me, realized yep. that we got an awesome preview of something we talked about last week. Yeah, Demon Days by Peach Momoko. I didn't want to read it because I don't want to like have like that little snippet and just like wait on it. But I did just appreciate every single panel. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, um, this is this is a um, exclusive preview. This isn't the first issue, mm-hmm. part of the first issue. This is before it. Oh, no shit, so I do have to read it. Oh, fuck, you're right. Yeah, so it's a unique story that leads into it. Nice, okay. So, it's a prelude. There's the word I was looking for. So, so yeah, it's really, really good. I'm so excited for this book. Uh, story and art were both done by Peach Momoko. So, she's doing both the writing and the art. And, um, yeah, dude. Ariana Mayer doing the lettering. One of my favorite uh, le- coloring, I mean. Or, no, lettering, yeah. One of my favorite letterists. So, yeah, dude. Really, really cool. Excited for that. But we won't talk too much about it because it's just a preview right now. So, uh, that leads us into our X books. We'll start with uh, the new one, X Men Legends number one. <laughs> okay. So, 
This is the era of X-Men that I really launched into X-Men. Okay. <laughs> like, I loved X-Factor. I loved New Mutants and stuff. But uh, when I started actually buying comics of my own, this was the era. And I was all about the X-Men. I was all about X-Force, especially. I loved X-Force. So I tell you all this because I just felt like I went home reading this. Oh, really? It just felt so good. Um for those who don't know, this X-Men Legends... X-Men Legends actually used to be um, a comic that reprinted old stories. Um, oh, so, nice. like, X- X-Men Legends 3 was the death of Thunderbird. I always remember that, because I had that one. <laughs> and X-Men Legends 1 was giant size X-Men, so... Um, but now it's, like, stories that they missed, that they never got a chance to tell. This one is written by one of my heroes, Fabian Nassisa. Yeah. Penciled by Brett Booth, Oof. inked by Adelso Corona, colored by Guru... And lettered by Joe Caramagna. Now, um, this is very much done in that 90s style. Oh, God, yes. And I absolutely love it. (laughs) And this tells the story of the third Summer's brother. And here's the thing with the third Summer's brother. We know there's a third Summer's brother, Vulcan. Yeah, of course, it's Vulcan. (laughs) But, But before Vulcan... Basically, it was accepted that Adam X, Adam Extreme, was going to be the third Summers brother. And that was the direction it was going to go, but it was never confirmed, right? Mm-hmm. So I've known this for 20 years. Like, I've known that Adam X is a Summers brother. So when they actually reveal in this issue that he's a Summers brother, it shouldn't have been a shock reveal. But I still was like, <gasps> <laughs> like I, I was still taken back. But I was like, he is? And I'm like, wait, I knew that. <laughs> like, it was, it's, it's so lame of me, but... Um, I loved the homage of going back to all the old costumes. Oh my god, yeah. Because again, this is my favorite Cyclops suit. So I, I, I just drooling every panel of his. Yeah, and I love the Havoc suit too. Oh yes, hell yeah. With the with the cool uh, quilted collar and stuff, like I'm like hell yeah. And then yeah, it's just just a really good era of X Men. Um, and I love Adam X the way they designed him. Like he looks great in this. Mm-hmm. So. Long story short, we get we get the story of what would have happened if they'd been able to tell, hey, Adam X is the third Summer's brother. And uh, the Shi'ar are trying to kidnap him and stuff. And we also get X-Force era Cable. Oh, yes. Which is great. He actually looks really good when Rob Layfield's not drawing him. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> like I was like, oh, this isn't ridiculous. And then we get a really cool fight with the Star Jammers. And, you know, I... I People, people like sometimes ask online if you could take one comic property and make something of it. I'm always like Madrox or the question. I'd like to make a Star Jammers book. That'd be a lot of fun. That'd be a cool space one. You could just, you could just, just whatever. <laughs> yeah, just space pirates doing around. But yeah, Adam X looks really cool. I love the hair. I love the hat. I've always like liked that design a lot. So, and then they find out in very '90s fashion, they found out that he's their brother because. Their powers don't work on him. They just don't work on them. That's literally how they found out that Havoc and Cyclops are were related in the end. Was that happening? So it's uh, nice played back for that. Uh, so they're like, oh, and then Corsair's like, that's your brother. And then he shoots him. So we'll find out more in the next issue. I really, really enjoyed this, though. Dude, fuck yeah. It was just like, yeah. God, it's like the, the homage to the 90s was just like, I fucking loved it. Yeah, like the highlights were the suits, like was the art. I mean, yeah, to just to. To make some, to make a something to make a the Alex uh, Cannon or sorry, uh, Adam Cannon is great, but goddamn was the art the highlight of this one for me. Yeah, Cyclops suit Cable looked just actually amazing. Like you're right when it's not when it's not drawn by Rob and but still doing 
the classic 90s, he looks awesome. He looks fucking great. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, love this. I I know the next issue is going to be the, the... The part two of it. The part two of this. But then the third issue is going to be the X-Factor story with Louise Simonson coming back. And... I'm somehow more excited for that than this. Like, I'm just, it's just, it's everything I've ever wanted. What so. reveal could she touch on? Like, is it going to be so great? What would you want her to do? Something around Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. I mean, speaking of, we're about to get into it, too. They created Apocalypse. Yeah. So, like, so I think that would be the best, uh, best use of it. Um, maybe around um, Angel. That's when he became Archangel. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. So, Yeah. Loved it. So that leads us to our Xbox, guys. We're almost done. First one, of course, we're going to talk about cable first. Yes. <clears throat> cable, number eight. Uh, so cr- I did the creative. Yeah, I did the creative team for X Men Legends. Okay, good. Because uh, I talked about Fabian. Uh, so <laughs> cable. Um, I've, I'm already posting about this issue online. We haven't even oh, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> you saw it. <laughs> uh, written by Gary Dugan, drawn by Phil Noto. Letter by Joe Sabino and designed by Tom Muller. Um, so Cable has to team up with Domino. Now Domino used to team up with Adult Cable. Now she has to team up with Kid Cable, and that's kind of addressed. It's kind of a joke, which I really liked. Um, just kind of being like, yeah, you yeah. know, like he used to do this, and like, and he was always in charge originally, and now she's kind of like helping Rookie Cable out and stuff. Um, I love, the, I love I, Domino. Oh, I'm sorry. I just, I, love, I just love the opening line, like the full circle, like the or the almost like the play on words. There's only hate in Stripes' heart, and I hate that he looks like me. Yeah, yeah. It's just goddamn it. So good. So and Domino's great too. Yeah. So basically, and it's funny because the very first page is a, a scene of like some meteors out in space. <laughs> And you're like, okay. And I completely forgot that happened for the rest of the book, by the way. Yeah. And then it cuts to Cable and Domino, <laughs> and they're in Tokyo. And she, and then she says the quote that I put on Twitter, uh, you caught me at the end of a long day, and I'm hungry from some, for some gyoza. Same. <laughs> like, I want some gyoza so hard. So she takes him into a horrible-looking chain restaurant for some gyoza, which is hilarious. I also love that he says, do I ever call you Dom? She says, no. Like, he called her Dom all the time. <laughs> so, and she's like, why are you looking at me like that? Don't get, get it, go get any ideas. For most of our lives, you were too old for me. And now, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, and then it, they happen to see the, the clone of the guy that already kidnapped the babies. And like, Ch- Cable goes to chase them. And Domino just keeps eating gyoza <laughs> because because that's how her life is. Things will happen, and um, they're able to get into because he has the same eye as Strife, so he's able to use the retinal scanner to open the door. Oh, and the yeah, guy's like, yeah. "Yeah." So they go in, and you find out that there's twelve clones of Cable with Strife's brain, and they attack him. And so he's fighting them, and then Domino comes in. Still eating gyoza, <laughs> which is just amazing. And she's like, I heard shots. Uh, remember to aim for the limbs or you're going to end up in a hole with Sabretooth. <laughs> which I was like, yes. She's like, oh, wow. Hang on. I'm clocking in. She's like, eyes up, boys. And then she fires and takes them all down because, of course, she does because she's Domino. 
And then Cable's like, hey, ceasefire, I'm friendly, I'm friendly. It's like, amazing shooting. How did you know which one's the copies? And he's like, oh, you emptied your clip? And she's like, no, I have one left. She shoots him in the head. It was a fake. <clears throat> and then the real Cable says, you're out of bullets, right? And she's like, out of bullets. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's great. And then she, and then the another part, she's like, she's like, bad news. One of them got away. There were twelve kid stripesicles. My magazine holds ten rounds. She pauses. She's like, I killed two with one bullet. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the clones running away and stuff. And they have this awesome showdown. And he uses this like electrical stun on them. And he's talking shit. And he's like, I'm gonna kill every, I'm gonna kill both of you and everything. And then we get a call back to the beginning of the issue. Yeah. Where that little meteorite was just pushed in the right direction, just barely. <laughs> so long ago, millions of years ago, <laughs> that Domino's luck powers had it fall to the earth and kill this cable clone as he was about to kill them. But how? She wasn't even like a thought. It's like, what? <laughs> Domino is like the most o- omega level mutant. <laughs> it's so great. I love that he thought it was Sunfire. Yeah. Like, is it Sunfire? I was like, no, that's... And it's just a rock. <laughs> I almost couldn't like, believe it. Like, it's not that easy, right? It's <laughs> too great. And then, yeah, you have to go to the beginning. I was like, oh, motherfuck. That's why you keep Domino around. Yeah. So, and then we get a really cool postscript where uh, it looks like Old Man Cable is going in and um, falls into a trap, basically. We won't know too much about that quite yet, yeah. so... Yeah, that was excellent. <laughs> I, it, it was awesome. I think like the one part for me, like again, because it's just like I missed the big guy, and he's right. Like the one person that could probably walk him through it, so I just like talk him out or talk him into, or I just like helping him out in one way or another. Because in the end, it's his fault, and he's had such an amazing redeeming factor. It sucks that Apocalypse is not here to talk to Kid, Kid Cable about fucking strife and what he feels about that all all this time, but. Fuck it, he's he's figuring out his own thing with his family. I get that, but goddamn it, was it really missed out right here? And it really, and he, I really feel it for Cable. Yeah, definitely. I love that we just get this repeated him teaming up with different people. Yes, like so. It's been it's been a lot of fun to go into that book. So, all right, that leads us to our final book and it's an x-men book and it's the one i usually wrap up with if excalibur's not here <laughs> and that is marauders number 18 oh man um just <sighs> this book look at that cover uh i love it uh, i got the a cover yeah oh, yeah for sure yeah with it's pyro and, and iceman they go to madripoor you know what they don't do fucking karaoke uh, hot and cold that would have been amazing <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. That would have been 10 out of 10 uh, book, but it doesn't happen on the one book it should have happened on. Creative team Gary Dugan writing, Stefano Caselli and Matteo Lali write, drawing, Edgar Delgado coloring, and Corey Petit lettering. So, yeah, basically, Kirko is buying a bunch of Madripoor. Yep. And uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff that happens in this issue. Um, they're, they're fucking with the Hellfire kids, which is great. Um, they open a hospital and name it after. Moira McTaggart, <laughs> the Memorial Hospital. Yeah. Which is great because Uh-oh. she's not dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, and they're like, yeah, we're just fucking with Charles and Eric, basically. <laughs> and um, it's just really funny. And then the part, I, probably my favorite part of the book actually is when um, 
Callisto uh, brings Mask in. Dude, I've been loving that she's and... been more like prominent ever since like she came back. Yeah. One thing I loved about this is because Mask was uh, a Morlock, right? Mm-hmm. And Mask was obsessed with making people ugly like himself was the whole thing. Okay. Really dramatic stuff. And so his ability is he can basically shape skin, shape flesh, like like art, basically, like clay. Yeah. And he always used it to make people ugly or used it to like seal their mouths so they couldn't breathe. And he's just a horrible fucking person. And this is the first time that, that Kalisa's like, hey, we're coming here. And he's like, what are we doing here? And it's just like, um, you know, she basically is like, wash your hands. And they bring in a little baby with a messed up uh, upper lip. Cleft lip, yeah. Yeah, and he uses his power to fix it. And I'm like, aww. Yeah. And then you see it in his face at the end of the page or when he's like looking at his hands and he realizes, I can do good things. Look, <laughs> and I'm like, yes, Mask, it's only taking you 25 years to realize this. <laughs> like, like, so that was really, really cool. I loved that. That's another big X Factor throwback because Mask was a huge villain uh, to Power Pack and X Factor in the 80s. So. Mm. Um, but yeah, and then we cut to uh, the actual X or Marauders part of this, and I wanted to ask you about this because I know that you have complicated feelings about Bishop, but I'm wondering if this series of Marauders has changed your mind a bit at all. I mean, I accept that he's there because he's in, he's with good company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I guess I I have been turning on it a little bit, but it's just like that thought is still there. You were still a baby killer at one point, and a very the only one that had that had that obsession. There wasn't like a group of people to be like to make a good point. It was it was just you, Bishop. Just your crazy ass wanting to kill Hope, who is now part of the five. Yeah. What do you think of his new look, too? I mean, all right, he's cute. Whatever. Can yeah. we just move on, please? <laughs> I think he looks good. Uh, so, Iceman, Pyro, and Bishop show up, and they buy a bar. And See, this they're just like hot and cold karaoke time right now. <laughs> so the new Reavers show up to attack them, and in a really cool story, you find out that the new Reavers are the people that the Marauders have stopped just short of killing, <laughs> basically, including the guys that killed Kitty originally. Oh, okay. um, that Iceman gave like really really bad frostbite to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they basically be in pain the rest of their lives. This is what he did, which is kind of dark. Um, but yeah, they basically volunteered to become the new Reavers, which is kind of a cool way to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then um, I love the the Bishop thing. I'm unarmed, don't shoot. And they shoot him. He's like, suckers. <laughs> Blast <laughs> them back. And then it turns out it was all like a PR setup to make the Marauders look bad. Yeah. And make Kirkoa look bad and kind of get them kicked out of Matripur. So uh, that's all leading up to the Hellfire Gala, which we we know is coming. And I'm very excited to see what happens there. Um, It's going to probably be like a big status quo changing thing, I'm sure. So, yeah. Um, what'd you think? Any any details? Uh, I mean, like it it was an enjoyable issue. I get like this and Excalibur and X Force are still like. There's like a middle piece, like that I'm still missing from like like before pre uh, Tenosaurs that I am gonna collect, especially more so now. Uh, the bottom of the last panel, like really threw uh, threw me off. I was not expecting those words. Is this to be concluded? 
Yeah, I think this this arc. I mean, this arc or this book. I mean, because y'all gonna whip out with like what the way of X into like, like X Corp is gonna be was kind of teased. That's gonna be its own book. You you don't think this book's gonna end, right? No, it's never really been to be concluded for an arc. I. I, I do not think this is going to end. I mean, I, I would I wouldn't want it to either. I, again, I'm also just jumping onto you, and I'm really been loving it. It was just weird. It's always to be continued on an ongoing, even even with, in between arcs. They um, uh, Marauders does really well. It does, and, and as and, far as far as like sales go, I mean, and the next one will be issue nineteen. I'd be like, oh, that's a weird number to end on, but it did have the King and Black Marauders number one to give it rounded twenty issues. Uh, but it, it, it was just, it just, it was just weird to see. I don't, I don't think it's gonna be okay. I hope not. So, but other than that, I loved it. Well, now been... you got me all worried. <laughs> I know, right? Because <laughs> well, like they've been teasing like new books, and it's like, fuck, they're gonna overload us with so many X books again. But if they can like maybe cut some of the old ones to kind of move on with the new stuff um, and then not move some pieces around. But again, like it's a great book, a book that sells. There's no reason why it should end. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, uh, so once again, we're just setting up the Hellfire Gala is the big thing. Yeah. But I love the Kalisto mass stuff. That was great. And just the boys bombing around. It's always fun. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> and also, also maybe why they've been like showing up around why maybe they weren't champions like hey one last like hurrah like those people really make them enjoy it before we take them away i don't think so and again we only had one x-men crossover in king of black and it was marauders yeah that says a lot but not really well you know what i mean you know i don't know so i I personally i think marauders is is good Mm -hmm. Uh, especially because they've set up everything with shaw yeah, like that's got to come to a head at some point. And he's actually so. he's still he's kept quiet this whole time. I like that he's in his little chair and he's just shut the fuck up. And he looks prettier <laughs> that way. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep, that's our books for the week. Uh, did you have anything else? Anything else you want to bring up before we go? Ooh, no, that was it for me too. Yeah, we got a lot, guys. <laughs> um, so, uh, check us out next week as we go over next week's of comics. Uh, I haven't confirmed this, but I'm getting a feeling that next week is probably the last uh, future state week. We'll see. Could be you're rounding off. All, you were rounding off all the the Batman ones. That actually, went up to four too. So, yeah. So uh, keep an eye out. We will probably do a special of some sort, specifically about uh, future state and what we thought of it as a whole. We might have a special guest. Who knows? Um, if anyone listening would like to be a special guest, uh, reach out to us on Twitter at WHI Podcast. You can reach out to me at WHI Podcast Keith, Liz at WHI Podcast Liz, and Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. Uh, once again, thank you so much for joining us, and um, have a great day.